is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. You can bring up absolutely anything that you want to discuss. The number for you, if you want to do that, is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Sorry to disappoint everyone for not taking the night off. I felt like it was important to be here. That doesn't disappoint me. Well, I'm obviously, I, I would hope that the two of you are not disappointed. Yeah. I'm, I'm referring mostly to the trolls. <laughs> However, you know, the show must go on. The hateful, as they say, hateful right? trolls. Indeed. Uh, so we are here on the eve of your sentencing, Aria. It's happening tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And I just want to give one last invitation to anybody who... If you're in the New England area and you can get up to Concord uh, in New Hampshire, you can go to 55 Pleasant Street, which is the federal court building. Do not bring any cell phone device because they will not allow you in with that. should probably come um, with an ID. They may make you show ID. Yeah, there's as, a stupid rule about yeah, that. Yeah, as I understand it, the ID battle that was being fought has been lost and they will not let you in now without any ID. Apparently some... A judge has actually said, you must have an ID, which actually kind of sucks because a friend of mine wants to go. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have an ID because of DUIs or whatever. He's got a paper ID, but it's unclear whether or not that's even going to be. It'll probably be all right. Yeah. But But, I mean, uh, he's not even trying to do, you know, disobedience or whatever. He just legitimately doesn't have an ID. I mean, people who come to this country and are immigrants and don't have an ID and can't get an ID should be able to go see a public trial. Everyone should have a right to attend so-called public trials. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that there is a case there. a trial, sorry, but whatever. I think there is a case there. It's just that it's going to take a lawsuit, you know, to yeah. uh, to fight it. And I think, uh, the average person who doesn't have ID probably doesn't have the money to hire an attorney. Well, one person we know may be ch- trying to do a, uh, you know, what's the kind of suit where other people can join in? A uh, class action suit? Yeah. You still have to have I would, an attorney. I would join in. I mean, unless you really know your stuff. I mean, you you're going to win. Well, Maybe. Maybe. I think you're definitely going to win. If you think you you can win, then maybe an attorney will feel the same way. And That's why I brought the it case up. Pro um, pro se or or not pro se. Pro well, bono? it could is be pro bono, or it could be based on uh, contingency, where the attorney would get paid on the back end. In that, if he wins, then the state would have to pay the losing party, which in this case would be the federal government or the court system, would have to pay for the attorney's fees. So, in theory, a lawyer could get a payday on a case like that. It just depends on if you can find one that's that's got the time they're willing to spend on it. So um, if you are coming tomorrow morning, be there, you know, just before 10, uh, because that's when things will start. And this judge can be pretty on generally on time, usually no more than a few minutes late. Uh, so try to be there you know, punctually and get a seat because who knows, there may be a lot of people showing up to this. It, it got some newspaper coverage, uh, today, you know, that uh, the feds are going to try to pack their, their side of the courtroom. Do you think uh, so? Well, I think they will. I mean, I, there's, I don't know. It, it feels to me, I mean, there's no way to know who's there for the, who's there on my behalf and against me. Right. Well, I know who some of the feds are. I don't sure. think so. that really helps them to pack the court. The judge will know who they are. I think that when people show up yeah, on that side of pack the, the seats, court. If they're in the seats, then it's fewer supporters that can be in there. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so screwed up, yeah, man. Yeah. They wouldn't actually. They're not that evil, are there they? There was like a homeschool. I mean, not homeschool. There was a public school field trip at Ian's on the first day. That was so weird. Was it the first day? Maybe not the first day, it was but in there. one they're, of the first days. They're not supposed to be so invested in what they want for the sentence to be that they would actually like pack out a courtroom, would they? 
they seem to be really interested in watching what happens to the people that they that they go after. I think it's some sort of that's so strange I don't know to me. What it is right? about it? I think they you know they feel like obviously they've already quote unquote won right. Like yeah. you took you took a plea deal and you I don't did? get to appeal that. So I mean it's. Does it? Why does it matter them? Whether it's thirty-seven months or or three three months or three days or time served? Why does it matter them? I I think they want. There's something that some of them, maybe not all of them, but some of them probably really like the idea of someone going to prison, like it gets them off or whatever. I've been trying know. to, you know, I've been pondering that as well because there's a lot has been happening in my case pretty much every day for the last week or so. There's been a major filing every single day, and I've been reading them very closely, and I just. I don't understand what would motivate a person to say, hey, this person should be punished with the maximum amount of severity, right? I don't understand that under any context, right? Like my mother was murdered, was choked to death or beaten to death, and I don't have it in me to want the person who did that to be punished. I want them to feel contrite. I want them to not harm anyone else. Right. But the punishment isn't necessary to achieve that. And I just don't understand approaching just life in general from this attitude of wanting retribution against other people, knowing that the retribution ultimately produces no good. Especially when there isn't a victim. Like, there's obviously a victim in your mom's situation, your mom, and also, like, everyone who loved her. But in this situation, it's just like, I want to win and get paid. Like, I can't imagine. Well, they get paid anyway, whether they win or lose, the feds. Well, you know, they uh, might be able to get different jobs if they have more wins or whatever. It I don't feels know. Like that's exactly what I've sort of concluded. And I haven't really concluded anything, but I feel like, you know, they, like everyone else, they want to win. And to them, winning is putting me away from the maximum penalty. Yeah. And it's just like, you don't want to win a football game by one point, right? You want to win by 50 points. Yeah. Like, yeah. Imagine if you were just not a good person and you never got the kind of like serotonin, I hate to uh, break it down to something like that, that one gets when one is in the right morally. You never get that. You only get it when you destroy someone's life by lying about them being a bad person. Right. You try really hard here. to get it. I mean, let's let's be clear. Uh, these people have lied. The federal prosecutors in this case lied their way through this case. And and that's one of the hardest parts about going through this is we know that we never intended to harm anyone. I mean, I, I think I can say that. That's yeah, absolutely. True about you. Um, I'm a firm adherent of the non-aggression principle, and that right. includes, I mean, any manner of harm. We, uh, you know, believed I, that selling Bitcoin does not ret- uh, require a permit. I still believe that that is the case. And that's why we're going to be appealing. Uh, we, me and my attorney, are going to be appealing in my my case all of the convictions because I want to overturn the money transmission conviction. I want that to be case, you know, case law, where at an appeals court, the appeals court says, "Well, this isn't money, and it's not transmitted, so not guilty." And then that will help anyone else who is in the Bitcoin world who ever gets charged with this non-crime of quote-unquote unlicensed money transmission to me that's like the most important aspect i obviously i would like all the other charges to be dropped before sentencing which in theory could could still happen um that would be to to me like and i was telling uh the filmmakers at the ballad of the crypto six documentary uh, ricardo's in town he's doing some more shooting 
And yeah, I was he's going to be at the hearing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling him this the other day. I was like, if I could have the, if this were the most perfect outcome for me in this situation would be for the judge to grant the motion to dismiss every count except for the money transmitter charge. And in theory, he could still do that before the before my sentencing, which has now been pushed back to July 17th. Will he do that? <laughs> I have no idea, but he could. There's there's a motion that's been in place since the end of the prosecution's case where my attorney basically said, look, motion to dismiss all eight counts. The prosecution never never proved their case. Yeah, they, they're supposed to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. And that just didn't happen. All, everyone in the crowd who had been there the whole time, like me and Chris Weber, were like, wow, as far as how this should go is pretty open and shut. They're going to find him not guilty. But of course, like human emotions and things like that badly cloud jury trials and jury trials are just not the best um, system in the world like people think. And uh, they found him guilty anyway. But as far as actually proving beyond reasonable doubt, instead of just, hey, look at this. What if this was the case? Hmm? Like... They didn't prove anything. Right. So the ideal to me would be they drop all the other seven charges and keep going forward with the money transmitter charge. So that one is the one that gets appealed and we can zero in on that one charge and get it overturned at the appeals court level. That would be like the perfect outcome for this insane situation. Uh, whether whether that's going to transpire or not, I don't know. But you come first here, Ari, because your sentencing is tomorrow and as I was saying, these prosecutors have lied about this. They they essentially concocted this story in their heads that we had some sort of conspiracy, which you weren't convicted of. Right. But they're drawing out into their po- their conviction sentencing memorandum and acting as though even though you weren't convicted of it, they should still get to talk about what they would have said if you had gone uh, to trial on that particular charge. And well- my attorney and I have objected to that particular yeah. aspect of their memorandum. Oh, they're going to still drag it out tomorrow. They're they, going to still drag you. Th- they're going to try to drag you. It will still get brought out. Yes. They're going to put pictures up of uh, of old people that were victimized by online scammers, and they're going to suggest that you and I knew about this, even though we never did. And I mean, obviously, that's not the case. It's it's horrific. It's obvious to that us. it happened, but yeah. It's it's obvious to anyone who spends enough time thinking about it, because if you've ever lost money at a bank, all you have to do is go to your bank and say, hey, you know, uh, that wire transfer was fraudulent or I was supposed to be buying a truck or whatever. And I never got my truck or any of these frauds, uh, any of the victims can go to the bank and the bank will just reach in there and take that money and send it right back to the person. Mm -hmm. It's it's a net loss. To knowingly sell, or to whether knowingly or not, it's a loss to sell cryptocurrency. Well, you would lose the Bitcoin and the money to the alleged scammer, and then you'd lose the money back to the person who was their original victim, and then you become the victim. Right. And And it's obviously immoral to, you know, participate in fraud, but even putting aside the moral argument, it's, it's terrible business. Well, right. And, the other point, and I think it was uh, my attorney, Mark Sisti, who made this at trial, was like, how stupid would you – like, if we were actually willing to work with scam artists, which I wasn't willing to work with those people. We did no, everything we could not. to stop them, to identify them, to stop them in progress, get money back to people who had partially you know, maybe lost it or whatever. So we have many uh, instances of that on the record. None of that mattered to the jury either. But uh, you know, even if we were – if we were of a criminal mindset of wanting to help these online scam artists, 
Why in the world, how stupid would we have to be to put our own names, our own bank accounts out there to these people? Like to the to the victims themselves so they could easily identify us to the police and the banks and things like that. Like, That's it the reason the scammers' names are never known, right? right? They, If you're a scammer or you're working with scammers, you probably want to keep yourself anonymous. Mm-hmm. Right. So it just it doesn't make any sense at all. And then uh, I think you pointed out before, Bonnie, that the prosecutor, Seth Aframe, in his closing statement was talking about how smart. Yeah. Yeah. The, that I am. He would go back and forth like there were times when he was just like, oh, either saying things that like imply that you were dumb. And then he'd also at the ending, he was like, Ian Freeman is not a dumb person. Ian Freeman is a sophisticated, intelligent cyber criminal. Well, which way is it? Right. So like you can't have it both ways. You're either really intelligent or you're really stupid, right? And so I think it would be a really stupid thing to do to do what they're saying that we did, which would be to actually work with scam artists, to try to attract scam artists. And that's really the one of the most insulting things about this whole case is that the suggestion is not that there's any evidence that we were working with scam artists because there's not a shred of it. it never, no, and that's been admitted. Right. There's no no shred of evidence that has ever been presented. Uh, that you or I had knowingly worked with any scam artists. In fact, the the counter, the contrary to that was presented. In my trial, we had uh, a gentleman who is a college professor who came in and testified that I bent over backwards to get his mother $11,000 back because we stopped a scam in progress. We were identi- able to, through our Know Your Customer requirements and security procedures, identify this scam as it happened before the person, the scammer, got the Bitcoin and that money was still in the bank and the bank account closed the account. So it took weeks and weeks because the money was frozen by the bank for me to get this lady her money back. But I got it back to her. And so that was one example. There were other examples of of, of how we did this. And so, like, the the contrary was was presented the fact that we were working to identify people and show what was you know going on let them know what was happening to them try to identify uh scams in progress so not a shred of evidence that we were working with a scammer at any point and so basically all they had was well ian freeman and Ari Demetso said they respect people's privacy so therefore that means they wanted scam artists to come in it's like but on the other hand they also showed the procedure that I put people through with the requirements and the photographs and the showing ID and all the things that they had to do in order to make the purchases of the Bitcoin. They showed that, too. So it was like, on one hand, they said we respected people's privacy. On the other hand, they showed that we actually did find out who we were dealing with. So, again, you can't have it both ways. Well, as my attorney's filing uh, for my sentencing memorandum shows, we I do value the privacy aspect of cryptocurrency. To me, that's like one of the fundamental points of yeah. cryptocurrency that allows you to keep your transact- your financial transactions private from the prying eyes of the government that has no business monitoring your transactions. So I do value people's privacy for that reason. And that's one of the reasons, as the filing points out, that I value cryptocurrency mm-hmm. because it provides people that level of security and stability and safety from, let's face it, Governments have not been very good stewards of the right to monitor people's financial transactions or to the right to control the money. Governments have always been prying. They've used money for evil and they've yeah. inflated the currency and they robbed us blind the entire time. 
And just so you know, everyone, privacy is still not a crime. Well, it shouldn't be a crime, but um, they basically made it into a crime because that's literally all they had. Besides intimating that simply, so there was that was one point was oh god they support privacy that means they're they're they want to do business with criminals which is and absurd. It is like closing my curtains in my bedroom doesn't mean I want to engage in illegal sex. It just means I don't want the whole world watching. That's yep. a reasonable, rational thing for a person to want. And the other, the only other thing they had was well, just look at the age of these buyers. They should have known that they were being victimized simply because they're elderly. And they clicked on, you know, like a folder with like, they clicked on like 10 people and showed people that were in the age range from like in their 50s to older. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the oldest many was. Of whom, many of whom were younger than my attorney. And, and then they went and, uh, I mean, Ian's attorney pointed out, he, why did they skip over this person, this person, this person and his name and this uh folder and then pointed out that those like majority of the people in the folder were like in their 30s there was even somebody who was like born the same year as me so they were like 24 or whatever when they bought bitcoin from you and they then said this person is extremely young (laughs) either too young (laughs) to buy bitcoin you can't do anything right for these people i've been clear my entire life that people need to get money away from the usd and into alternatives like gold silver and cryptocurrency my, my family doesn't speak to me, but if any of them did, I would recommend take some of your savings, buy cryptocurrency, buy some gold, buy some silver, safeguard yourself against the inflation that we're seeing, record levels of inflation. The whole point of cryptocurrency and gold and silver is to protect people against that. So I would yeah. recommend that the elderly people out there acquire some cryptocurrency and the younger people out there acquire... Everyone right. out there should acquire an alternative currency right. to protect themselves. You don't just have um, security for your elderly ages by just following what the government says. Like, so many old people are, like, working now and they're still getting social security, but they have to work because they don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. If they're putting that into Bitcoin, it's possible they could stretch it more. Not financial advice, but... Yep. That said, there is nothing worse... Then an old person attempted to acquire Bitcoin and ending up with useless promises or romance promises that never come to fruition. It's terrible. Uh, But as you, I believe, pointed out, I don't know where it was on air or off air. It's like I didn't know about almost all of these people until I started going through the evidence in the trial. Yeah. There were a couple of exceptions to that that I found out because they went back to their bank and demanded that their bank withdraw uh, the funds from my bank, and then I, you know, learned more. And right, cases, in which case I never dealt with those people again. Right. In some cases, I learned more from helping law enforcement actually give them whatever information I had about a specific case. So it's just like there's just so much dishonesty. Like, and then that's to me the most frustrating part about it to insult our churches, to act as though the uh, Reformed Satanic Church isn't a real church when it absolutely is. That's your church. Aria, yep. to act as though the Shire Free Church isn't a real church. I mean, we even had uh, Muhammad come in to my trial, who is a gentleman that is here in the Keene area. He runs a business. He is active with the uh, the Muslims in this particular area that Shire Free Church helped acquire a space to have meetings in, to have their Jummah, for instance. And he yep. talked all about how uh, Shire Free Church assisted with that. And yet they still continue to suggest that uh, Shire Free Church and Reformed Satanic Church, this and is how di- our, our quote-unquote purported churches, and that we, you know, 
chose to do business with scam artists and like none of this stuff is true what they are they are alleging and this is how desperate they are to twist anything into a bad thing um ian's lawyer had a woman come in that showed that that worked for the hundred nights homeless shelter Mm -hmm. here in Keene and showed that ian's been uh through his church donating um money to them for years and then they like added it all up together and they're like Altogether, it's not that much considering how much he had access to. It's just he, he didn't give enough money to charity. So disregard that. Yeah. I don't know There's if, a- you know, I don't know if they're being dishonest in, in, in every regard or in any particular regard. But I, I think that in some cases they just haven't considered like there's there's no avenue for me. Like they in their memorandum, the prosecutors mentioned um, I, I don't I'm not going to name the person. Mr. J. Let's, mm-hmm. let's call him that. They mentioned Mr. J having lost, you know, uh, several hundred thousand dollars to a scammer by yep. buying Bitcoin from me, and many times, by yes. the way, not one fell, not one shot, but over right. months. But that aside, how in, I there, I have there's literally no way I could have known that. Nope. I wasn't there at the trial. That the prosecutors didn't email me to say, "Hey, Aria, this person, this is something that happened." It's absolutely. You didn't know at the time. He just seemed like a, a happy Bitcoin buyer, and I didn't know more. until I saw it in yep. in their memorandum. Yep. So and I don't know if you pointed out they were accusing you of not being sorry that he got. Um, well, that's that's exactly it. I didn't know right. that happened. I literally Arna hasn't didn't even showed know. remorse for this yet, and didn't know it happened until she was reading that. I mean, they're not there monitoring me as I stay awake every single night. I've slept like five hours this week, right? They're not seeing me cry in the shower. They're not seeing any of this. They're not seeing me white knuckling it every single day, and because they they see this. They'd probably like that. Honestly, they, they see this narrow little slice of my life that is mm-hmm. my my public appearances on Free Talk Live or on NBC or whatever. Yep. They don't see the ninety nine percent of my life that lives outside of these public appearances. Because uh, no, I'm not going to break down into tears on air or on NBC, guys. Yeah, and they don't want to see the ninety nine percent of the customers uh, who were totally fine, completely legitimate, that had no issues whatsoever. None of those people matter. It's just the one percent of people that they've been able to, you know, show had some sort of issue. Probably with less online than one percent. Uh, the number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. But coming up, I want to talk about forgiveness. It's free talk live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603 
603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. And Aria. Uh, also want to say thanks to Free Talk Live listeners and supporters of the show, including Paul, who is a gold level AMPS. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It is a way for you to get behind what we do here. Paul's doing gold, which is uh, 10 bucks a month, so we definitely appreciate that support. We only ask for five, uh, so thank you for doubling up there, Paul, over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. You can help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. Get the message of liberty, freedom, peace, cryptocurrency, alternatives to the violent government status quo, peaceful alternatives. We talk about that stuff seven nights a week here on Free Talk Live. So join Paul over at amps.freetalklive.com. We definitely appreciate the support. Uh, so given you know what we're in the midst of right now, you and I, Aria, uh, the rest of the Crypto Six have all already been sentenced. One of the six, uh, these are six people who were arrested in March of 2021 in early morning pre-dawn raids that happened, uh, coordinated. I think they all happened at, at the same time. And, uh, you know, being held at gunpoint, homes broken into, just absolutely horrifying situation. You can go to thecrypto6.com if you want to learn more about it. There's some video from the raid on the studio here from security cameras and uh, lots of background on the case, lots of information about what happened at my trial. Uh, but everybody else has been sentenced thus far. Uh, three people, they received relatively, you know, all things considered, light sentences. They, uh, Two of them did not have to go to jail at all. One, our co-host Nobody, was sentenced to time served. Sadly, he was wrongfully held for six months prior to being granted bail. And, and even the judge agreed that it was wrongful incarceration, yep. unconstitutional. But you can't undo it. So no. you just get the time served in that case. And uh, and then, you know, whatever kind of uh, year. I think they they got a year to three years of supervised release. Basically. I think so. And uh, tomorrow, the federal prosecutors want you to get 37 months, which is the maximum according to the sentencing guidelines per the report issued by the probation department. For one charge, a felony count of unlicensed money transmission, basically, is what the, the charge is. Um, essentially, that means you didn't get their permission slip to do, quote-unquote, money transmission. That's what you, you pled to, and that's what you're going to be sentenced on. However, you have virtually no criminal history. Uh, right. There's, was, there's like this minor thing from when I was 17 Like a teenager, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, nothing, essentially. And uh, despite the fact... That you have no criminal history, no violent record whatsoever. They're pushing for the maximum sentence on this. And it's just like the most insane thing. Uh, it's like, you know, watching the Ross Ulbricht situation over again to some extent. Someone else who had no real, no criminal history and no violent history whatsoever. They, they sent him to life for two uh, life, or sent him to prison for two life sentences plus 40 years in order to quote-unquote send a message to people who would run underground websites that allowed people to sell whatever they wanted to sell. Did underground websites stop happening after Ross Ulbricht was put in prison for two life sentences? I'm assuming not. No, they didn't. They kept going, and but they're still going. But it's to deter people, Ian. What's that? It's to deter people. That's what they say. That's what they keep saying. That's what they said in Arya's uh, sentencing memorandum is that this is to to let everybody else know out there that if you sell Bitcoin without asking the federal government's permission, you can expect a hit squad coming into your house, holding you at gunpoint, 
uh, you know, putting you under bail conditions for two years where you can't even access the, the full Internet, and then later pushing to put you in a prison cell for 37 months. That's what you can expect for not having the government permission slip. Oh, and what happens if you get the government permission slip? Well, we found out Mark uh, Hopkins down in Texas, who hopefully will get on the show one of these days. I need to follow up with him about that. He'd agreed to do it, but I think he's still in the halfway house situation, so I don't know what his you know freedom situation is. He doesn't get to go to, home to his family? To no, not yet. Whoa. Um, that's the next step, right? Okay, it's, but that's just crazy. It's like... So Mark Hopkins... It is, but it allows you to spend part of your sentence in a halfway house instead of prison. So I mean, yeah, it, it would... sounds crazy, but like... A three-year prison sentence in prison sucks, but a three-year prison sentence where two and a half of it's in prison and the other six months is in a halfway house. It's a little better. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds better than jail. I'm just saying it's crazy. It's like, oh, you're safe enough for society to go not be in a cage, but still we want you to be in this house, not with your family. Like that would be worse. I don't understand it. I thought the point of you, the point of the halfway house was to allow someone to transition back into society to not have to worry about paying their bills or their rent or whatever. And to be able Mm -hmm. to find a job and, you know, get their feet back under themselves. But like, in the case of Mark Hopkins, it doesn't seem like that would be necessary. He's got. No, I'm a- sure he'd be happy to just go home. Yeah, but no, that's not an option. So anyway, he went ahead and got the permission slip because he knew that you know they could do something horrible. He, I'm sure he'd seen the the news stories about other people uh, selling Bitcoin online, being targeted by the feds, and going to prison. So he's like, all right, I'll just go get the permission slip. So he did, and then he went to the Department of uh, Banking in Texas, where he lives. And he said, hey, what do I need to do to get the permission slip here in Texas? And they said, don't worry about it. There is no permission slip here in Texas. You're good. So he's like, all right, great. I'll just go sell some Bitcoin online. I got all the permission that I need here from the government agencies. And the federal government arrested him, too. And you know what they charged him with? They charged him for not having the permission slip from Texas. But Texas has no permission. He yep, never got right. to argue that because they threatened his wife. Yep, that's right. And then they so said, they coerced him into a taking a plea deal. Right, like right. we'll go after your wife if you don't take this plea deal. So yeah, like maybe he would have had a chance to go to court and possibly win. Of course, you know, with juries, you never know. But uh, maybe he would have been able to argue that. It was like, well, hey, look, I I talked to Texas, calling a Texas bureaucrat, bring the Texas bureaucrat on the stand, and they'll say we don't have a license, we can't issue a license, so he didn't need one. Have a nice day. And maybe that would have been case closed for him. But then the Fed said, oh yeah. If you don't take the plea, we'll charge your wife too. And of course, they got a kid, and it's like so. He's obviously, they don't really wife. care about going after everyone, or else they'd also just go after his wife. But they only use that as it's leverage. Leverage. I mean, right. it's like the same thing with like Colleen. Like they just arrested all your friends they possibly could, but they didn't want to arrest the old lady for, uh, and then try to make it look like this old lady is scamming old ladies because that'd be a little hard to do. Well, they did arrest her, and I'm sure they I, wanted to. I was about to say they don't want to charge. Yeah, they don't want to go through with the Take trial her to court. in that case. So it's like, you can't win with these people. It, you know, like, even if you've got their permission slip, they're still going to find something to charge you with. They're still going to find some sort of way to put leverage against you. If you're a Bitcoin seller at all in the United States, you're at risk. Well, Kraken had all the permission slips. Coinbase sure. has all the permission slips. They're coming at them, too. Yeah, it certainly has not helped them. No, they're at least coming at them with civil charges, so only their businesses will be destroyed. The executives will probably not have to go and see the inside of prison cells, at least at this point. Uh, in that situation. But for those of us who are doing peer-to-peer, as they call it, Bitcoin sales, uh, they got uh, prison cells they want to they throw us into, which can make forgiveness a tricky thing to do. Uh, but I saw this story pop up last week, and I thought, you know what, this would be a good one for 
and Aria and Bonnie Knight on the show. It is from the Washington Post. And surprise, surprise, there's a new study that shows that forgiving is actually good for your health. I know that you guys are not going to be shocked by this, but I think it's important to get this news out because it, a, lot, a lot of people, I, I don't think, practice this. I think there's a lot of people in society around the world who hold a grudge, and that hurts you. It it hurts you. doesn't hurt the I mean, person you yeah. have a grudge against. I mean, it does. And I, d- I don't like pushing Tool too much as like this, you know, ultra good band or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they have this song called The Grudge that is all about holding grudges. And one of the analogies they use is that it's a... It's a leaden anchor that is that sinks you and traps you in place. I don't remember the exact way they put it out. I had to mm. look up the lyrics, but it's it's a beautiful song and it's all about forgiveness and letting things go. And I've always, well, not always, but as long as I can remember, being an adult, I've been an advocate of forgiveness because that's the that's the only way to have closure. To go back to the example of my mother being murdered, right? Everyone's. Most people are like, no, I want this man thrown in prison, right, mm-hmm. to be punished. But that's not going to do my heart and my soul any good. It won't fill any hole. No. Uh, it, all that will do will increase the amount of wrongdoing in the world. It, it will commit, whether you think it's justified or not, it will cause this man to be held against his will in unpleasant circumstances. It, it just increases the amount of people being held against their will in unpleasant circumstances. What? will make me better though is to forgive him for mm-hmm. doing that that will help me come to peace with it seeing him punished won't bring me any sort of peace it, it would just weigh on my conscience right like because of me this person is being punished or this person is being treated badly and i don't want that on my conscience it's it's better to me to not punish the person which would just make everything worse internally for me mm-hmm. and it's even better to go a step beyond that and outright forgive the person. That's the only way. Forgiveness is the only way for a victim to ever have closure in something that happened to them. So here's a story from the Washington Post. Early in his career as a marriage counselor, psychologist Everett Worthington noticed that many couples were angry about perceived slights and real wrongs, and he realized they could make progress only if they forgave each other. Those insights prompted Worthington to embark on a decades-long academic career. To be fair, these were like couples, uh-huh, yeah, and they were holding grudges against one another. Yeah, upset about some piddly right. crap around the house or whatever, right? So. That's such a toxic way to have a relationship. I mean, even you shouldn't even hold grudges against people you're not involved with. But like, if you're in a partnership with someone, Jesus, let it go. And knowing to wake up like that all the time. Yeah. So he embarked on a decades I mean, long. Sorry. It's just like if you don't even find some something like that worth forgiving. I guess it's different. He did say real wrongs. It could be like it could have been serious cheating. things like, I don't know, cheating. But if you really want to stay with that person, then you have to forgive them. And if you don't want to stay with that person, I don't understand why not just break up. Indeed. Well, some people, that's a whole other, a whole other question. So I mean, It's different if they like killed your dog. He was studying the... <laughs> what? Wouldn't okay. forgive them for that. Sure. So he was studying the science of forgiveness for decades now. While the act of forgiving is often discussed by faith communities, Worthington has found that a secular approach to forgiveness also can be a useful strategy in improving health. He and his colleagues recently completed a study conducted across five countries showing that when forgiveness is taught, practiced, and achieved, the result is better mental and overall well-being. Surprise! Or not. Worthington said... 
Forgiveness can change relationship dynamics and prevent a lot of very costly things that happen in society. I mean, I know people that just are so petty, like they would just not forgive silly little things. Like, I don't know, I can't think of like a good example. It would probably be awkward to bring it up on radio anyway, but Mm -hmm. there are some times where I'm like tiffed with Ian for a little bit. And I I literally can't think of an example because I don't hold them as grudges. We get over it very quickly. If somebody is living like that, like holding a, not forgiving for little things like that happen throughout the day that aren't big deals. I mean, they have underlying other issues they need to work on in their lives. So I'm sure that, huh, maybe I should forgive is just like going to make their lives a whole lot better. They probably have like, you know, they're probably like clenching. Yeah, they're not even considering. Clenching their teeth or for, something. Forgiveness you know, like, isn't even a consideration for those Well, people, it feels right? good for them, right? In to a be per- angry, In mean? a perverse kind of way. It yeah, feels like good to hold thing. a grudge against someone or to be angry at someone instead of forgiving them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know why, but, you know, I feel it too, even though I'm an advocate for forgiveness. I know what that feeling is. I wouldn't be able to describe it, but I know it's It's like righteous indignation. There. Like, he yeah. did this, and now I can be mad about it, and... It, but it's not really righteous if it's... And it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy to harbor those emotions when you can instead harbor something like forgiveness and love and compassion. Worthington said, "These are there are injustices we experience every day. People don't have to forgive. It's a choice that people may make or not make. He developed workbooks and included exercises and prompts that allow people to explore feelings of anger and resentment and learn to let go of them. And that's really what, what this is. It's like people having the intelligent emotional intelligence to be able to navigate feelings i just like i really can't relate to people who just like can't navigate their feelings whenever somebody i tweeted about this today whenever somebody tells me just like i have anxiety like it's not the same as somebody who tells me i have autism or something like that i'm talking about somebody who or a specific thing is happening to me and it's making me feel anxious. That's not the same thing either. But just these people who are like, throughout my life, I've always had anxiety. It's just like, I can't relate to that. It's like, you... Anxiety is an experience, not a condition. And the thing is, like, if your whole life you've been feeling a negative feeling and you don't try to get to the root cause of it, I just don't understand and we can't be friends. It's like... I don't understand. Like, Well, those kinds of people are the kind of people who they've given up their, let's call it the, I think the, the right term is onus of control. That is within you. Okay. So if you're feeling something, it is not the other's fault. No. What you're feeling. But these are people who believe that whether it's another person or their life circumstances or something that's happening in the in whatever time frame we're talking about here, that all these things are happening to me and I feel anxious or angry or whatever the, the feeling is about it. And they blame the other. They blame the other person. They blame the other thing. And that is them relinquishing any kind of control over themselves that they still could take and still have to something else and putting the blame out there and saying, you're the reason I'm this way. This is the reason I'm this way. And and it feels so much better to be told by a doctor, like, Mm. there is no way that you can help yourself. It's all because your brain was born incorrectly. You just need to take this pill. You need to take this pill because there's, you, you don't have any work in front of you. You are not at fault in any way, mm-hmm. and it's everyone else's fault. It, it just would feel so much better to these people to be, hear that than to hear somebody say, 
I don't think you actually have anxiety. And I'm sure listeners out there think, oh, those people who blame their problems on others, they're so messed up. But no, it's it's almost everyone I've ever met. Almost being a keyword here, obviously. Think about how many times you said, oh, you make me so angry mm-hmm. or he frustrates me so much. That's blaming others for your emotional feelings. Right. And that's that's the root of all of this. He didn't make you angry. You experienced anger as a reaction to something that he did, but you're the one who controls your emotions and you're the one who controls what your emotions cause you to do. If you punch a hole in a wall, that dude didn't, didn't make you angry enough to punch a hole in the wall. You made yourself angry as a response to something he did and you lost control of that anger yep. and punched a hole in the wall. So real. That's your, you, you were out of line there on every single step. We've been doing some uh, guided sleep meditations recently. There's a app online that I've been enjoying a lot. It's called Down Dog. I'd like to recommend it to anybody that enjoys yoga or home workouts or is looking to get into doing home workouts. They have a series of apps. Uh, it's not a sponsor or anything like that. It's a paid. It's a paid app. Uh, they'll they'll let you do like 15 days free, so you can see what it's like. But they have several different apps. There's one for high intensity training. Uh, that you can do like home workouts. There's another yoga app. There's another meditation app. There's a bar app. There's a few different apps that they have. And the meditation app has a sleep meditation. And they like to, there's always like some sort of wise quote in the, in the sleep meditation. Yeah, that. she doesn't make it to, to the to the wise quote. Is this like a yoga nidra kind of thing? Um, that's actually in the yoga app. But okay. yes, that's a different kind of guided sleep meditation. Hmm. So they have that too. Um, but the quote last night was about feelings um, you know, emotions that are, that, you know, come up and I don't remember the guru or whatever, who they, who they were quoting, but the quote was, uh, let it come, let it be, let it go. The idea being that whatever that feeling is, whatever that emotion is, that's, that's going to come, it will go. If it's anger, if it's, you know, frustration, if it's, you know, irritation, whatever, whatever it is that you don't want to continue you don't have to. You can just let it go eventually. Just notice it, right? Oh, there it is. There, there's some anger. Okay. And then you can just let it go. You have I to mean, be aware right. of what you're feeling, though. And, we, you know, we're not advocating that people should not feel their emotions, right? If someone makes you angry, okay, feel that. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel anger as a response to something. It will happen. Yeah. It will happen. And you have no control over that, nor should you yeah. have control over that. It's just something that happens. Experience it reflect on it mm-hmm. and then let it go and then you can get to the process of forgiveness sure after that point if you're really like your brain is just broken and you feel anxiety all the time for no reason i don't think it tr- happens i don't think it's a real condition but if that is the case then you should have a way of dealing with it immediately when you feel it pop up if you can't identify your own feelings and uh change them within yourself or you know transmute them into something else then you're a slave to the chemistry inside your brain and that's just mm-hmm. so you're your own victim yep at that point and uh, you feel like you're everyone else's uh if you want to comment on this by the way feel free the number is 603-283-6160 maybe you have uh put forgiveness to work in your life and you've seen how it has helped you uh, in your relationships you want to tell your story feel free again the number 603-283-6160 Let's continue, though. with this. So they did a study, right? It was across five countries. It's a big study showing that when forgiveness is taught, practiced, and achieved, the result is better mental and overall well-being. He says uh, 
That is the key because wanting to forgive someone isn't enough. You have to actually successfully forgive them. And I, I, it's beyond me to step someone through that process, but it doesn't, it isn't automatic. Wanting to forgive someone isn't the same as forgiving them. Well, apparently they've come up with a, a, a workbook. This is the next thing they talk about here. There's a workbook this doctor developed. And it has exercises and prompts that allow people to explore feelings of anger and resentment and learn to let go of them. It is available for free uh, in five different languages and yeah. promises you can become a more forgiving person in about two hours and includes thought exercises to help explore specific transgressions and work through feelings of anger and resentment. That it's, sounds really really helpful. Uh, the website for this workbook is discoverforgiveness.org. And they put reach.discoverforgiveness.org in front of it. So maybe that's where you have to go. Yeah, okay. So Discover Forgiveness kind of takes you to a general um, Q&A about forgiveness. So if you want to get to the workbook itself, it is reach.discoverforgiveness.org. Haven't tried it yet. Uh, no, but, but it sounds wonderful. It sounds, it sounds great. So, yeah, more people definitely need to discover forgiveness. So more about the study. Uh and so they're they're going to include thought exercises to get through these feelings. It's based on the most effective exercises used in prior research and has been condensed to save time and make the program more accessible. The randomized study, which was conducted among 4,598 participants in Hong Kong, Indonesia, Ukraine, Colombia, and South Africa, asked half the participants to complete the workbook uh, over a two-week period. And then the other half were allowed to try the workbook later. After two weeks, the study showed that the workbook had prompted forgiveness and shown a statistically meaningful reduction in depression and anxiety symptoms. Maybe that's one reason why people are so anxious. Because they're not forgiving one another? Mm-hmm. Among just, you the, know, or themselves? Yeah, yeah that's another important the, thing. Oh, yeah, forgiving yourself is. But I was just going to say, or just like dealing with the emotion at all. Like if you're just like, ah, when you feel something, anything, then that's going to be bad. The research is being presented at Harvard University in an interdisciplinary conference on forgiveness. The study was published as a preprint timed with the conference and is under review for publication by a medical journal. Similar studies in the U.S. also show benefits. The findings have broad implications for public health. According to Tyler Vanderweel, a professor of epidemiology at the Chan School of Public Health, uh, he said, I think the experience of being wronged is quite common. He's a co-author of the new research and organizer of the conference. He says, we've seen that this forgiveness workbook can be used to address forgiveness and improve mental health. If the resource is widely disseminated, the effects on population mental health could be substantial. So basically he what he's saying is we're waiting for the um, farm, farm, uh, big pharma to get involved and make this workbook illegal. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he was saying. Just kidding. Uh, but Why do the workbook when you can take a pill yeah. and become numb? Other researchers uh, led by Robert Enright, a professor of educational psychology at the University of Madison, has also focused on forgiveness for programs for young people. Their workbooks and teacher training programs have been shared with thousands of educators worldwide. Studies have shown that children who forgive do better academically and that overall forgiveness can result in lower blood pressure, better sleep and less anxiety, among other things. I would suggest that forgiveness is also only only half of the equation here the other half is humility and apologies right mm. you should be quick to forgive and you should be quick to apologize don't apologize for crap that isn't your fault and don't go around saying i'm sorry all the time but when you do something wrong no matter how minor it is apologize for it and forgive people for it when they do something wrong to you no matter how minor it is apologize and forgive and we might 
just make the world a better place. And when there's like somebody who's not going to apologize to you, but you still feel bad about what they're doing, you just have to have a way to get past it. Like, Forgive them anyway. Forgive them anyway. We're going into the break. Worthington, the original uh, doctor they were talking about here, turns out in his past, his mother was killed as well. And we'll talk about what happened to him and his journey with uh, forgiveness. As we learn more about this study and your calls and thoughts are welcome on How to Forgive, 603-283-6160. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. The number is 603-283-6160 That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have there for you. Uh, they are free, including archives that go back for many years and other talk shows. They want to charge you for accessing their website. Ours is free. So head over to freetalklive.com. As we continue here, uh, tonight in the studio, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We've been talking about forgiveness, something that in many cases can be difficult, but Mm. in all cases, I think it's worth it. And we're going to dig in further into this here. Stories from uh, the Washington Post about some different studies. It focuses on one of them here with over 4,500 participants from five different uh, parts of the world that they did a study that showed that forgiveness is actually good for your health. Not only is it good mentally for you that you can take a load off, so to speak, that you don't have to worry or be anxious or depressed about something, uh, some perceived wrong or maybe even actual wrong that happened to you, uh, but you can actually feel better and your body will show it as well. Uh, So I want to talk more about that. And, uh, of course, if you want to weigh in, here the number is 603-283-6160. So the gentleman they're focusing on here is a gentleman named Worthington, psychologist Everett Worthington, who ended up spending a decades-long academic career studying the science of forgiveness. And he was one of the ones behind this this particular large study that we were uh, referencing. He can relate, according to the Washington Post, to those who think forgiveness in some circumstances simply can't be achieved. His belief in forgiveness was challenged when his own mother was killed in 1996 
and he was forced to cope with his own anger toward the perpetrator and the police, whom he blamed for a lack of a conviction. Suddenly, he said, here I was, someone who had studied forgiveness, and now I had to really deal with something that was much more serious than I had ever experienced before, he said. He said he was able to forgive the man suspected in the killing, a troubled individual with a below-average IQ and a history of being abused as a child. It was more difficult, he said, to forgive the police officers for their inconclusive investigation. The experience showed him that forgiveness and wanting justice are not mutually exclusive. He also learned hmm. that sometimes small... I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I, it dep- I guess it depends on what one means by justice. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've been kind of mind controlled to think justice is just like somebody goes in a cage for a few months and then comes out. Yeah, the, right. most people believe that retribution or punishment is justice. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think the, t- the typical libertarian view is that restitution, uh, restorative justice, is actual justice, where a victim is made whole again if there was some sort of thing that was done to them that harmed them or you know destroyed property or whatever obviously you can't make someone come back and to that's life, the thing but- that's why we intuitively know that murder is worse than stealing somebody's property it's because like you can pay for someone's property you yeah. can't bring someone back to life you can't actually do anything to make that better ever well um, you can do things to make it better in that you know some sort of restoration is possible. Some sort of payment uh, is possible. Not that that's going to bring the, the person back, but it at least shows some sort of contrition or that the person is sorry uh, for what they did and they're trying to make things right. And that's that's worth something. It's not. It may not be much, but it's it's better than someone who's like, screw you. I, what if they're you know, a billionaire? What if Elon Musk killed your mom and had to give you like a million dollars? I wouldn't really feel like that was anything. And if some poor person had to give me a million dollars, it'd be different because they'd be giving more of themselves. Mm -hmm. But I still don't really think that that really does anything to help anyone by getting money because like a million dollars will not bring anyone back. You will. It will not fix anything. I don't think there's really any fixing it. I mean, you don't have to take the money from the person. Well, I'm not in that situation. I'm just saying I don't really think it actually makes it better. That situation doesn't happen. But if, it, if yeah. it did happen, I mean, surely you would be free to say, no, thanks. I know, but you're just changing the subject by saying, yeah, well, you can just not take the money. Well, I'm I not think some in that people would take the money, so. right? Like, that's all they get is some sort of payment from this person. I mean, most people do take the money from, like, cops whenever they a cop kills a, a person. It's because why wouldn't they take the money? They're being offered money. I'm just saying right. that that's not the definition of restitution. It doesn't restore anything. How do you restore in a situation That's where what I'm saying. You can't. That's why murder is so bad. I'm not saying they shouldn't have to pay money. I'm just simply mm-hmm. saying that that doesn't even meet the qualifications of restitution. No, I didn't say it did. I just said it's something that they, that they can do. Hmm. And I'd rather have someone do something than nothing. I agree uh, with that. I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, there's nothing people really can do. I mean, even if it's just like they slapped you, there, there's no way for them to truly bring restitution to that because you can't undo it. You you will always mm-hmm. have been You'll slapped. You'll remember that right. for a long time. And that's always going to be there. So, I mean, give, paying someone $100 isn't going to necessarily make that any better, but I, I think it does show some amount of contrition. Yeah, my mom slapped me once when I was a teenager. We got into some sort of argument over something that was probably stupid or whatever. I don't even remember. I, the thing is about it, I never have remembered what it was wow. that the argument was. But I remember she slapped me. 
Yeah. And and we she wasn't an abusive mom or anything like that. I they I think they gave up on spanking like right away. I think they might have tried it for a short uh, period of time very early on and then they learned about how it was a bad thing and they stopped and so like I don't remember ever being spanked, right? Like that never okay, happened. That's good. Um they weren't they weren't bad parents at all. It's just Something I said to her, you know, teenager, I snapped back at her or whatever, sure. and I was being, you know, teenage and and she slapped me across the face. I, I'll, I'll never forget it. I don't hold a grudge over it. Certainly, yeah. a long time ago, forgave her for, for that, but I remember it, yeah. you know? And I mean, that's the thing, right? Just because a wound heals doesn't mean there's not a scar there to show where it once was. And it may be fully healed, but it's it's still there. It's still a part of your body. It's still part of your psyche. So Worthington also learned that sometimes smaller transgressions can be even harder to let go. He says, I'm not some kind of super forgiver. I often think about a professor who gave me a B in graduate school. It (laughs) took me 10 years to forgive him. Good Lord. Wow. Advocates of forgiveness training say it's important to know the time and place for forgiveness. Someone in an abusive relationship, for instance, should not forgive. They should seek safety. The science is clear that it works, though, said the president of the Templeton. I I did want to get into this because... I think it's an important factor that me and Mark often talk about because mm-hmm. Ian and Aria are like notorious for talking about forgiveness, not in a bad way. I'm just mm-hmm. saying they, they talk about it a lot. And Mark always like if Mark is here visiting and he hears you guys on the air talking about forgiveness, he'll be all they're talking about forgiveness. again. <laughs> I hate forgiveness. Why? What? <laughs> not really, but that's how he is. And that's news one to me. Thing, yeah, this is the first I've heard about it. He says it to you. Okay. I don't remember it. But anyways, because you forgave him for it. <laughs> one thing about it is uh, that Mark always brings up, and I gotta agree with him, is like being smart is not the same. I mean, uh, sorry, forgiving is not the same thing as being stupid. And we could bring up plenty of examples of that, like people who are like, "I forgave my boyfriend, and I went back to him." That's forgiving and being stupid. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you don't have to combine forgiving with forgetting. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that you guys are saying that. I'm just saying that this is what. Mark always says. And you don't have to allow someone the opportunity to wrong you again. That's you, what I mean. You can yeah. choose to do that based on whatever circumstances you want. But in the subject of the abusive relationships that the article points out, well, no, you can't forgive someone for an act that is ongoing, right? Yes. If, they're, yeah. if they beat you every week, I mean, that's not forgiveness. That's, I, I don't know what that is, but it's not, you, you can only Escaping forgive an reality. act. Yeah. You can only forgive an act that has concluded. Mm-hmm. And in a, the, if you're in an abusive relationship, that act hasn't concluded. Right. Like, and if you continue to keep yourself in a situation where that act is likely to reoccur, like an abusive relationship, yeah. you only have yourself to blame at that point. Like I read this story where this woman, her mother was killed by her mother and like uncle or somebody else in the family were killed in this house, like this mansion in like California. And there was the man that did it. He had like went in there to steal from them, got scared because they woke up or whatever and shot them. Mm. And the whole time he was in prison, she was talking to him and she got warned by, you know, like the cops and all these people like this person's like not right in the head. He's, you know, really messed up and he's not like actually sorry. Stay away from him. And all the family like really was annoyed that he she would like talk to him in prison but she wanted to forgive him but she was like going up above and beyond I think and doing something kind of dumb eventually she moved into the house that her mother was killed in and when he got out of prison she invited him to come live with her because she's just you know showing how forgiving she was and he killed her in the house Mm. it's like forgiving and forgetting you know it's like forgiving and not 
being able to see the situation for what it is. I mean, that's just straight up tempting the fates. That's mm. beyond. I mean, and you know, she she was killed, and that sucks. But like, I don't know what how is that's just tempting the fates. That's that's like daring the universe to to say, all right, I'm going to call your bluff. You have the man who mm. murdered your mother. You're in the house where this happened, and you invite him to come live with you. You're, yeah, you're bluffing the he had universe. Stolen from her, and she was going to confront him about it, and he killed her. Oh man! So it was just like almost the same That's exact tragic. situation. That is horrible. Horrible. Um, and unfortunately, you know, there's no perfect circumstances out there, right? Forgiveness isn't going to end all of the wrongs in the world. It's not going to stop bad people from doing bad things in the future it is a powerful thing for you to do for yourself unfortunately if this other person is a lunatic then they're not going to be able to appreciate what you've done for them right. of course most of the time you don't have to tell someone you've forgiven them that's a whole other question of whether or not it should be verbalized or or expressed usually a forgiveness is something you do for yourself to let go of some sort of burden that you've been carrying but the con- the counter to that story i've got one i i read a story in people magazine i think it was when i was in jail the first time well a previous time that I was in jail for civil disobedience uh, in Cheshire County. And I was reading a, a people magazine they had in like the day room or wherever it was. And there was a story there about a similar circumstance, but it worked out actually really well uh, where there was a mom whose son was, uh, was it her son? Well, somebody she knew was killed by a young, I think it was, his, I think it was her son. Yeah. So they were at like a party and there was a fight between two of the, the teenagers that were at this party the kid was like 17 at the time okay and i don't even know what the fight was over it could have been a girl or whatever probably something teenager and stupid or whatever and this kid got killed it was like a gun gunshot situation like this guy that this guy was probably drinking lost his uh his marbles and he shot this kid to death and the mom of the victim forgave this young man. Now he wasn't a crazy, you know, lunatic. He was just, just okay. Well, in the moment, right? Like the it was a it was a really bad decision, and it was a second, uh, you know, second degree murder, right? So it wasn't pre planned, but it was a crime of passion in that moment. And he was in prison for however long he was. But this woman communicated with him. This woman forgave him, and then became uh, friends with her own son's killer. After, you know, along while he was in prison and then after he got out of prison. And I don't know if it also included the he moved in with her part. I feel like that was in that story, but it's been a decade since I've read the story. But I remember reading that story. I was like, wow, that is a really powerful example of the of forgiveness. I think it is. And I'm not taking anything away from it. But I want to say I think that the difference in these two situations is people who they don't have the intuition to be able to like gauge other people's consciousness levels like sounds kind of weird but what i'm saying is you should be able to know when a person is just like they're not like as much as i want to be friends with my sister she's just actually not there like she's not available she's actually crazy Mm -hmm. like she is not like someone i can just be like you know what i forgive and i've done it a million times i've forgiven her a million times and tried to become friends with her again I also have like a friend from since high school that would do things I'd forgive a million out. times. It's not just burned out. It's I have the ability to see 
it's not like she's like me. It's not like she and the, this person who got killed because she let the man into her house. She she should have had the ability to see like, yeah, this man's like not right. Like there's something going on mm-hmm. in his mind. He's never going to actually be sorry. And that doesn't mean that you don't forgive him. That just means that you don't involve yourself with them in your life anymore. That's right. Because like there's certain people where all they will do is take. They're not ever going to add anything to your life. And yep. I think that you that comes down to, to that clearly, yeah, like the sure. state of their minds, their consciousness. Not something you can uh, quantify in a lab, but you can, you know, tell by talking to them. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so more here from the story at the Washington Post about forgiveness. The science is clear, said Andrew Sarazin, the president of the Templeton World Charity Foundation. It helps the people who are doing the forgiving. It helps inside your own skin. That doesn't mean you can't seek justice. Uh, It doesn't mean people can't go to trial. It doesn't mean there are no consequences. The first step toward forgiveness is simply deciding to forgive. To achieve emotional forgiveness, a person needs to let go and stop dwelling on being wronged. And we've said it a few times, but I just want to stress the point again that forgiveness is entirely for the forgiver. Like we mentioned all of these examples where, and you said earlier that you don't even necessarily have to tell the person you forgive them because it's not for them. Sure, maybe they have a guilty conscience and it would bring them some peace to know that they were forgiven. Those situations certainly exist. Especially if they ask for your forgiveness. If they ask for it, then then it's right to tell them. Otherwise, it can be smarmy. Otherwise, it can be like, oh, well, I forgive you. True. You know, so it can come off that way. So I think that, yes, that's a good point. Especially if they don't even realize or see that they did something wrong. They still think they're in the right in the situation. Then they're just going to take it wrong. It requires a conscious choice to replace ill will toward a person with feelings of goodwill. Emotional forgiveness takes longer, said Worthington. It is really a matter of deciding that you don't want this burden anymore. If somebody has harmed you, there's some sort of wrong that has happened to you, and you're playing it over and over again in your head, that person's literally, as they say, living rent-free in your head, right? Like they own your consciousness. You keep thinking about the thing that happened in the past. You're so focused on the thing that happened to you whenever, how long, however long ago it was. I don't care if it was a week or a year or 10 years ago. If it's something you're still focusing on, then that is time that's like brain time yeah. that you can't get back. You can't use that uh, consciousness in your own mind that you can't have that free to do something else, something that's more important to you now, whether it be taking care of your family or getting some work done or just having fun. You can't do it if you're burdened down with whatever these feelings are. No, it's like going on a a walk in the woods, right? Or there's all sorts of, you know, gold coins or gems or diamonds scattered around, but instead of picking those up and enjoying them, you're carrying around this big, giant, bulky package that it's just empty concrete that's doing Mm -hmm. nothing but weighing you down and making you miserable and you're carrying it around with you because you've always carried around with you. It's always been there, yeah. Just set it down. Just set it down. Imagine the beautiful, wonderful things you could pick up instead, like all of those gems laying around. Just put the grudge down and keep walking. So the study recently focused on the REACH method of forgiveness, which I guess that's why they call the website reach.discoverforgiveness.org, which stands for recall. Recall the hurt, look at the incident in an objective way, and don't try to push aside your feelings. E is for empathize. Empathize with the offender. Without excusing the action or invalidating your own feelings, maybe the person was having a bad day or was raised in dire circumstances. 
A is altruistic gift. Give the altruistic gift of forgiveness. Think about a time when you were rude or harsh and recognize that everyone has shortcomings. C is commit. Make a decision to forgive. You can write a letter that you don't send to help yourself make the commitment. And H, hold. Hold on to forgiveness. Memories of the transgression or event won't change, but you, how you react to those feelings will. You don't let them rule you. You don't let them stay. You don't let them fester or get worse. Focus on it. It's like we were talking about earlier with feelings. Let it come, let it be, and let it go. It's funny because so many people like to argue with me like, yeah, well, some people have things going on in their lives and therefore just absolutely cannot control that they have anxiety. And it's like, I just think that it's it's almost so rude that somebody would act like there's nothing going on in my life that I should be could be anxious about. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I don't know. I'm not saying that you're a better person if you don't get anxious. Like, obviously, there's varying degrees of, of things to do. But I'm just saying I could be walking around just like freaking out about Ian going to jail forever. Well, what good would that Every do? Every day. Right? But what would that good help? would it do? Wouldn't help. <laughs> it won't change the outcome. Like the trolls, oh my God, they really want me to be like sad and scared. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand that mindset, like wanting people to be yeah. somebody else to be suffering. Well, but They want me in prison if it helps. Yeah. <laughs> Something about, you know, uh, schadenfreude maybe, the uh, taking pleasure in other people's pain. Yeah. Perhaps. Mm. Uh, let's go to the phones here. We got Rob on the line in Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Certainly. Uh, boy, I got to tell you, this is a, uh, a deep subject for me, considering what I've been through. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, trying to talk with some people that have done, you know, a lot more time than I did. I mean, we're talking people like that have been in for 20, 30, 40 years in a prison system, you know, and they get out. Because they were proved that you know they hadn't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They, they were where so they were. How do you? Uh, how do you? I don't know how to recover from this. I mean, when I went in, I you know didn't take the plea deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost. I went in, did ten years, and I got out. And I, you know, I I could have still stood in it, but I I I did what. I learned to do. I, I got out and I got a job. I got an apartment, and you know I didn't know what a cell phone was because they didn't have them when I went in. Yeah. You know, and and there wasn't any. I knew I wasn't guilty, but what am I going to do? So I just moved on with my life, and then forty years later, you know, I find out that you know, and it was. I tried to forgive. I really did. But it, 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 you got to be really strong. You know, and there's just some things that are out there that you can't forgive. I mean, in my opinion. But when you like what? don't fully forgive, then it just it consumes your life, mm-hmm. too. I don't know. I, I tend to think everything can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. It may not be easy. Some things maybe, and you may not be able to successfully forgive, but that, I think that would be a shortcoming of the person trying to forgive. Yeah, if somebody right. can forgive their own mother being killed, then I don't think see what could possibly be much worse. I 
I am yeah. not saying that this is a cure-all or anything. There's definitely probably some people that shouldn't do this at all under any circumstances. But I think this is a huge place where psychedelics come in. Because, like, it just... If there's anything that um, could help be helped by your brain chemistry being put into a new... Uh, different state. State yeah. so you can see different perspectives. Yeah. Per- forgiveness is an important thing for that because, like, I don't know. That, I think you're absolutely right on that, uh, Bonnie. If you feel like you're up against a wall and you can't break through and actually forgive maybe a shift in consciousness is is required uh for that if you can't do it yourself maybe you need a little assistance from uh, a little chemical hey thanks rob for the call there's more coming up here this is free talk live you can join us it is free talk live Join the show here. Bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Talking about forgiveness. Uh, There's a big study that was done recently with over 4,500 people found that it's actually good for your health. Turns out if you're not constantly freaking out over some wrong or perceived wrong that has, uh, or actual wrong, that has transpired in your life, maybe... You can be focused on things that are positive, focused on things that are constructive, focused on things that make you feel good instead. And maybe that'll be good for your long-term mental well-being, whether it be depression or anxiety or some other issue that you suffer from, could be improved by simply finding what those things are in your past that you haven't let go on and following this... uh, system that they've come up with. It's, uh, a lot of science has been done on this forgiveness stuff, uh, and there's a workbook that they're putting out there for free for people to use the tested and tried and true tools in this area. You can go to reach.discoverforgiveness.org. Yeah, I had never heard of this REACH method. Of course, I've been an advocate of forgiveness, as mm-hmm. I said before, pretty much as long as I can remember, but I've never heard of any particular method for it because, I don't know, to me... I I can explain the bridge to you, which is the process of forgiveness, but I I can't explain to someone how to actually cross it. So I, I'm well, very pleased to hear about the reach method. Yeah, I mean, for, for people who are practiced in forgiveness, it's just sort of something that comes almost naturally. It's just a procedure that we go through in order to release any stressors or difficulties and frustrations that we may have uh, experienced in life. We understand the procedure of putting the, the weight down. You just got, you described it earlier as just you're walking through the woods, there's all this beauty around you, but you're focused on the concrete brick that you're holding up as you're walking down this, this path. And it's like, for us, it's not really hard to just cast that thing aside, to, to put it down and to move on because we're practiced at it. Uh, but for yeah. someone well, also, who's, Ian doesn't have feelings, so it's ridiculous. But for <laughs> someone who is uh, not practiced at it, for somebody who has been holding a grudge for a lifetime, that can that concrete brick can feel like it's part of their arms. Like to, that, to they me, find just drop, in it, yeah. you know? I feel like a lot of people probably will uh, like relate to what I'm about to say. For me, the decision that I'm just going to forgive someone is all well and good, and I can do that easily. But sometimes the feelings will just come up anyway, like. A lot of the stuff is related to my sister who is does things to me for absolutely no reason, accuses me of things that never happened, things like that on the internet, goes and calls the police on me for nothing. And I know in my head 
I forgive her. But sometimes literally I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and be angry about it. Like, Hmm. just like, ugh, I shouldn't have to deal with this. Like, ugh, that's not true. You know, things like that. And you have to learn how to move past those feelings because you've already made the decision to forgive. Now, when you feel those feelings, instead of just being getting back into your old pattern of righteous indignation, like, oh, yeah, I'm right. And I should still be angry about it. You got the main thing is just to stop feeling angry about a thing or sad about a thing or one, one way to look at this uh not is, stop feeling it sorry but be able to you move can't past stop it. the feelings right yeah. and that's what we were talking about earlier with the zen mantra or whatever of let it come let it be and let it go the feelings will come and this is the old example of the devil on the shoulder and the angel on the shoulder right like these thoughts feelings they come from somewhere but they don't you don't have to see them as you even though they're inside of you and even though it's like seems to be part of you you don't have to see them as you if you can be the observer if you can act as the observer of your feelings and you can say oh yep okay there's the anger about that thing uh-huh, uh-huh. and then you just let it you just let it pass you well don't that, i mean that's to. completely understandable as well right i mean you don't control your thoughts and this was one of the reasons that um you know people like to say i think therefore i am but the philosopher Nietzsche completely shattered that. But you, you you don't consciously create a thought. A thought comes when it wants, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not. The same with an emotion. You you can't control the approach, the oncoming emotion. All you can control is your reaction to it. But that emotion, it comes right. from somewhere. I don't know where. Right. But you, it it spontaneously comes of its own accord. And your reaction is your choice. That's the choice that you get to make. Uh, and so a lot of people don't a lot of people think that they are those emotions, that they are these things and they can't break away from it and they're not separate from it. And the point is, you absolutely are. You just have to be aware of yourself. You have to be aware of what thoughts are coming. One more um, thought here from the story over at The Washington Post. We went through the react method or sorry, reach, R-E-A-C-H, the reach method to recall, empathize, altruistic gift, commit and hold. And uh, you can go to reach dot discoverforgiveness.org for their workbook that'll help you through the process of learning how to forgive the altruistic gift that is referencing is the forgiveness indeed and it's the gift to you it's a gift you give to yourself Uh, while the forgiveness study showed that people benefited from the intervention it also revealed that the effects can fade over time underscoring the need to keep practicing Practicing can start with small acts. If someone cuts in line or is rude to you at the checkout counter, use that as an opportunity to forgive. Recognizing the bad behavior wasn't personal. And in a lot of cases, it's not. Driving. Driving is such a good one. Uh, forgiveness doesn't solve all problems, said Worthington, but forgiveness is freeing. It's the right response to being wronged. Let's go to Tim. He's in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, so in my opinion... Uh kind of like what you've been alluding to it really only works if you do it for yourself um if you do it for someone else uh it it might not might not work out so well at least that's been my experience what do you mean do it for someone Um, else um well i i I think the best way uh actually like bonnie just said is is to think about the highway you know you've got a real-time situation um versus you know forgiveness for past wrongs which is you know, kind of the same thing, but on a different time scale. And, uh, you know, if somebody cuts you off in traffic or, um, you know, somebody's tailgating you, it would be very uh, pleasurable to kind of like let them pass and then, 
then tailgate them really close and honk at them and get revenge. But it really doesn't. In the end, it really doesn't. And, uh, you know, if, if you're driving or doing, like, delivery driving or something for a living, you know, you, you can't be you, – you got to pick your battles. And, uh, you know, people make mistakes, and people have reasons for what they do. Um, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm turning left uh, off of an interstate or, you know, to get back onto the road and the person in front of me, they're just turning left like a snail. And that I know that green light's only going to last so long. Hmm. But then, you know, when you're, when you're holding your own dog in a car, uh, you know, to go to the uh, place and your mom's driving really slow because you're carrying it. Uh, you know, because the dog's going to be put to sleep. Driving no, is a different thing, I think, right? Like, the entire United States yeah. needs to take a chill pill and needs to learn a little bit of patience. Like, run this little experiment sometime when you're at one of these intersections at a, at a green light or a red light or whatever, a uh, red light. Wait for one second after that light turns green. One second, and you will have people behind you blowing their horns and yelling and screaming. <laughs> and it's yeah that's a different I mean, I'm, issue right I'm you being frustrated of, avoiding that but yeah people out there they have no patience and that's a different issue that needs to be addressed as well but, th- but that's but where is, i think it is about forgiveness but it is about forgiveness because it's real time like someone transgresses against someone else on the highway someone turning and slowly it, in the highway is not a transgression that's but there's a plenty lack of, of examples of people or, actually or, transgressing or like Pulling out right in front of you when you they did not have room and they could have actually killed you, right. but you happen to right. you know press. The, I mean, right. I can totally see that being something you need to. Uh, you get, you could feel mad about it and be uh, not forgive them and be absolutely in the right, but hurting only yourself by being mad about it all the way home. Or you could just get over it, be like, they did something mm. stupid, but whatever. I'm not going to keep being angry about it. And uh, to be honest, that's something I literally struggle with. Like, I'll be annoyed the whole rest of the time I'm driving because of something stupid someone did. It's different if it's, I mean, I, I personally don't think the turning slow is a good example, but that's just me. No, you're right. It's a bad example because, it, like you said, it's actually not a transgression, which was what I was actually trying to get to was, like, so many times I felt like it was a transgression against me. But then when I was in a situation where there was precious cargo in the car and there was a reason hmm. I see we what you're were saying. going slow, you know, mm-hmm. or you have a bunch of propane tanks in the car or something, you know. Just like taking something over. personally when there's right. no reason for it. And that's and that's not even an issue of forgiveness. That's like a moment where I've got to be like, hey, um, this isn't about me forgiving the other person. This is like, okay, it's, they didn't even do anything to me. Well, that's the, uh, uh, that's the empathizing part of the the reach method right is to be able to try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and try to understand what was going on there uh but tim you mentioned something earlier Ari asked you a question about it and i don't i don't know if you really answered the question you talked oh, about sorry. forgiving someone else versus yourself and I, I wasn't really clear what you were saying there oh um as far as like okay i've heard this a lot from other people and as in my opinion i i don't know that i can prove it but i i think it just from my experience i found it to be true is like if I try to forgive, if I say, oh, it's okay, I, you know, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal, and I just say that, it might not mean anything. Like, I might be doing it for the other person's benefit so that they feel more comfortable, you know, especially if it's, you know, something where they actually did something wrong. Um, it, but on the other hand, you know, 
again, if they really did something wrong, if I'm forgiving them because, you know, I was using traffic as an extreme example, but it also works for, you know, uh, past transgressions. You know, it's ultimately in the highway of life. You know, you got to pick your battles and you got to move on and you got to keep going to where you're going. Well, you don't have to tell somebody about your forgiveness. That's not a requirement of forgiveness. Uh, we touched touched on that last hour. Is if somebody didn't ask for forgiveness, they may not care. Uh, they they may not care about what they've done. They may not care about the fact that you've forgiven them. So that may actually re- result in more difficulty. Is you know bringing a, bringing up whatever it is to this person. It all depends on yeah. the circumstance and and what's going on. But you know the, the the forgiveness we're talking about here is the the forgiveness that you grant yourself for what others have done or in some cases what you have done to yourself so to me those are the two types of forgiveness there's the type of forgiveness where you forgive someone else for something they've done but you're doing it within yourself you're you're not doing it overtly to that person and then there's the type of forgiveness where you forgive yourself for something that you've done most of the time to your own self like you know poisoning yourself with negative thinking or some other thing that you did wrong that harmed you or maybe you know harmed somebody else uh forgiving yourself for that is also something you can do and then the sort of tertiary forgiveness that really barely ever happens is the one where someone else asks for it i, I don't even know if that's ever happened in in my life i i can you guys think of does that happen has that happened can you rephrase the question like has somebody ever asked you for forgiveness Maybe uh, a girlfriend who had cheated on me or something mm-hmm. like that. And of course, she, she went on to cheat on me again, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure like, it happens. Yeah. But the, Maybe. I don't know, on the spot, I can't think of yeah. one. Plenty it's, of people have said, I'm sorry to mm-hmm. me. And I guess I'm sorry is a way of asking that for could forgiveness. Be, oh, yeah, well, that yeah. Be. Like me and my ex best friend, they used to live together, used to fight all the time, make up all the time, fight all the time, make up all the time. And we would say, I'm sorry to each other when mm-hmm. we were making up. Thank you for the call, Tim. I appreciate it. And, and I guess you could in- interpret someone saying they're sorry as a request for forgiveness. I that guess is, that, Ian. Yeah. How is it anything else? I don't know what you mean. Saying I'm well, sorry is. Someone could say, can you forgive me? Oh, that would well, be an I mean, overt request for forgiveness. Yeah. I guess that's kind of weird to say, though. I guess saying I'm sorry it's like is, implied. Ex- is hoping someone gives you forgiveness. I think um, it's kind of implied, but like I don't remember the exact language used, but mm-hmm. I, kn- I remember the feeling of me and my friends, like making me and my friend making up and it would be like, I did something wrong and I'd be like, you know, I did something wrong too. And it's like, okay, I'm glad that we can move past this. Like it's a feeling of, can you forgive me without, nobody really just uses those words, but I don't think it's important. Can you forgive me? I think it's kind of weird. In my experience, most of these things are kind of minor and trivial. I, I can't think of an example where... I mean, girlfriend cheating on side, that's sort of a silly thing to even think about. But I don't, I can't recall any examples where someone who had seriously wronged me or seriously wronged someone else mm-hmm. expressed sorrow mm-hmm. or, is, or an, uh, asked for forgiveness right. or gave an apology. If you mean something like really serious, then my example wouldn't matter either. It's just like stupid fights that we would do over and over. But the thing is, this specific person is somebody I had to learn in my life. Like, no matter how many times they say sorry, they may, like, even if they really do mean it in that moment, that doesn't mean that their behavior will change. Sure. I'm thinking about like my family from the South, right? It it would be great if they were like, hey, 
So, Arya, we're sorry for what we did to you with you being trans when you were a kid, right? Well, I've forgiven them for that anyway, yep. but something major like that, I've I've never seen or heard no. of anyone apologizing. I don't think for it happens it. that often. I don't think it does. I think people like to just double down when they've done something seriously wrong to someone because they don't want to face the fact that they've done something wrong. I, I think that's exactly what my family in this example was saying. Like, well, we we only did what we thought was best, right? Or we we did it because we loved you. Or so whatever. there'd be some reason why they justifying. would try to justify yeah. that just, wasn't wrong, right? Justifying their wrongness, which is again why you know forgiveness is all to, in my mind is always all about you. It's yep. always all about letting something go and moving on, and again, not forgetting the fact that you were wronged by this person. It's important to. It doesn't mean you have to always think about it, but it means that if that person shows back up in your life and it's like, hey, buddy. How about you trust me with a thousand dollars? Or like if they'd stolen from you before, then you're just like, look, man, sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to give you any more money. No, you can't st- sleep on the couch. Uh, you're a crackhead, right? Like, so there's certain sure. things that you don't have to go back in. You don't have to be victimized a second time just because you're willing to forgive. Uh, let's continue here. Caller, you are on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Oh, this is Adam in Canada. Adam, welcome, sir. You're on the air. Yes, thank you. Uh, first of all, with regards to forgiveness, I find that life is better for me not to just say sorry to people, just to try and do better. I find uh, when I catch myself saying sorry, I feel guilty afterwards because I find I'm telling them that they should do twice as much mental work, take twice as many chances on me as they would have before, hoping they'll find a change in my behavior when I can really just show them one. Yeah. And that's easier for everybody, right? Actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. Exactly. I've never. I've also never found much use in saying I'm sorry. I mean, if if I'm genuinely sorry, then it will it will show mm. in the things that I actually do. You know, when I do end up saying sorry, I find is usually when I've done something wrong to the point where there's no going back. I've lost something or someone, and I'm really saying sorry to myself. The mm. world's a mirror. That's mm. when it comes out of your mouth. Uh, something you shouldn't say out loud. But I think there's really only one type of forgiveness, you know. Hmm. Uh, the first step is to forgive yourself, then you can forgive the other person. If there's nobody, uh, if it's not relevant to you yet, maybe you'll think back in your life to the point where you might have done something similar to what was done to you, to another person. And then you can forgive yourself for that, and then it's easier to forgive the person who did that thing to you just now. So it's really more like, the, the, again, the world's a mirror, right? I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to share tonight? But yeah, I learned a lot of these lessons uh, from ketamine, actually. It's unfortunately, it's scheduled by narcotic. Yeah. Um, but I've been hearing things in the, uh, the uh, therapy community about it, and it was time for me to try something. I didn't want to go their route because they make you try everything else first, and that's just no good. So mm-hmm. I just uh, did what I had to do and wound up trying it. And uh, i got to tell you, I ended up forgiving my father after five years of not talking to him at all, except huh. for on his birthday, just because of this and that. And uh, what it does is it forces a completely objective point of view on you. It's amazing. It can deal with... Uh, all kinds of insane levels of depression. Uh, it eliminates thoughts of racism. The ketamine is an amazing one to drug, and for forgiveness, it definitely helps. Wow. So, I've never tried it. Yeah, I've heard Maybe. I've heard a lot of good things about ketamine. You obviously, like with any drug, you need to do your research. You need to go to arrowhead.org. You need to get into the frequently asked questions, the um, user experiences, dig in. Yes, with dissociatives, less is more. And you should always have a therapist involved because it can get hairy quick. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's why I was surprised you said you just did it by yourself. It sounded kind of scary you because I've heard to, of the K-hole. Yeah, you don't want to go down the K-hole. What um, is the K-hole? <laughs> it's just taking too often. much ketamine and it, it puts you in a bad headspace, which is okay. weird because... It's a, tra- it's like a tranquilizer. Okay, and so. it can damage your bladder too, so there's health risks hmm. to be aware of, but yeah. there's many, many, many benefits. It's interesting w- because like, it's supposed to make you feel so great and nice when you take the right amount. You said this is a dissociative. That's not a psychedelic, right? 
Correct. Uh, it's a dissociative. Uh, I believe that what was happening to me was is it was slowing down the default mode network, and it was almost as if I could catch myself about to make an assumption that I would have made and then not really been able to go back on. And uh, I went all the way back a quarter of a century in my own thought process, all the way back to when I was nine years old, when I was prescribed Ritalin, and mm. then I realized, realized, oh, okay, so this is why everyone's been giving me advice that I've been ignoring, and I was thinking that I was right and they were wrong. It really is like that drug in South Park riddle out. It just totally fixed it. That's excellent, man. I really appreciate the call and, the, and sharing your personal story with us. And thank you for the call tonight. Yep. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. There have been some interesting studies done uh, with regard to ketamine, with regard to some of the psychedelics that you mentioned as well, Aria, LSD, uh, DMT. We're seeing uh, psychedelic mushrooms also being studied, showing that people who are able to take a dose of these things, usually under the... The administration of a, a professional, a, you know, some sort or of psychologist expert. or whatever, somebody to guide them, a therapist, uh, through, they're able to address some kind of issue, some sort of I- something that had happened to them in the past that maybe they're still carrying that that weight yeah. for or whatever, uh, or it has uh, created depression or anxiety or whatever, and they're able to deal with the problem at its root, like yeah. he was just talking about there solve whatever the thing is let it go do whatever you need to do to address that problem these drugs have allowed people to do that and they come out of it so much better in a lot in so many cases now there's nothing perfect there's no guarantees out there but a lot of this stuff is like for some people it's a one-time solution and like, i also they don't have to keep going back over and over and i watched things. a youtube video really recently of a girl going through the therapeutic um session with ketamine and the one the lady the i don't know the practitioner the mm, medical person therapist. that she had to talk to but no it wasn't the therapist it was a medical oh, person that okay. she had to talk because they had to be one of those and a therapist there i see well she was saying you gotta be willing to like work on yourself while you're doing it or you're not gonna I don't know if work on yourself is the right word that she used, but she said uh, it, it, the people who like to clench up and not um, face the things that come up when they're on ketamine are the people that get the worst results. And mm-hmm. that's why I think it's so silly when people who've never done any kind of drug at all and um, they hear about people saying, oh, you can take blah, blah, blah for anxiety or depression. They're like, oh, my gosh, like that, that's that would never work. It. What what do you think is a magic pill? Like, no, it's not a magic pill. Mm, no, it just puts you in a different headspace to do the work that you want to do right. in regular life, sober, day-to-day life. But you just possibly literally cannot access the the point of view you need to see the problem for what it is. Sure. I mean, we're all flawed. Everyone has problems. Everyone has demons in their past or whatever. And at some point... You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to go inside. You're going to have to face the labyrinth within yourself and hunt down the minotaur and slay it and come out the other side stronger for having done it. Now with one labyrinth less to explore and one minotaur less haunting you. Mm -hmm. And the value of psychedelics is that they will help show you the way into that labyrinth. But you still have to go inside and you still have to face whatever there, whatever is in there. It, the, the, the magic shrooms are not going to automatically no, kill it. You don't get the it doesn't going in taking shrooms and looking at all the pretty colors or whatever isn't yeah. going to solve your problem. You got to do the work. And I think that's why people like uh, Terrence McKenna will always say like, "Oh, don't do this as a party drug and expect something to happen." Because if you're just doing it to enjoy the pretty colors, like you said, 
you know, nothing's going to happen in your brain. Which is an okay thing for someone who wants to do if that's what they want to do. But it's inevitable if you have a bunch of, you know, minotaurs living in your head, it's inevitable that you're going to do shrooms one day or LSD one day. And you're going to face those things whether you want to or not. Yeah, and that may not be a good time if, yeah. you, uh, if you're you no. not ready for it. Uh, so check out, uh, by the way, libertyinourlifetime.org for the upcoming conference that they're going to be doing again this year. It's the third year, I believe, Prague, October 14th through the 15th. Our very own Mark Edge is going to be speaking at this conference. He was there speaking last year. He'll be back along with representatives from projects, Free Cities Projects in the U.S., Honduras, Germany, and Norway. They're going to share updates on their progress and explain why you should consider moving to or doing business in a free city. You can get 10% off your tickets by using code FTL. Go to uh, libertyinourlifetime.org. It's Prague, October 14th through the 15th. You get to see Mark. He'll be speaking there. And I don't know. I'm sure he'll tell you about how terrible the Free State Project is or whatever. He does, he does seem to like that particular number, right? Like, like That's his favorite thing to rant about is how awful or how the Free State Project has failed, rather. And how much more free the tyrannical state of Florida is? I don't know. You'd, ha- you'd have to ask Mark, but we well, disagree on some subjects. Speaking of Florida, I know Bonnie wanted to talk about DeSantis coming up here tonight and his history in Guantanamo Bay, which, amazingly, he's not trying to hide. Yeah, he'll brag about it. It's not yeah. like a secret he was there. Yeah, so we can talk about that. Uh, that's on the way here. Hour number three is coming up. Plus, if you want to comment on forgiveness, you're certainly welcome to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open. You can join the show. The number is 603 283 6160. We spent the first couple hours talking about forgiveness, which is a very important topic. You can bring up anything you want. You want to share your experience. You're welcome to join us. Have you gone from being someone who never practiced forgiveness to being someone who practices it regularly? And how has it changed your life? Science is showing that it actually might make your health better as well, let alone just the mental state that you're in. But it may be that negative mental state that you're in because of the things that somebody did to you at some point in your past. That might be manifesting in all kinds of physical maladies that it you're having. It almost has to be, right? I, I don't understand why some people truly don't think that your mind has an impact on your health of your body. Like, it doesn't make you any they, sense. they think that it doesn't have That's why I said it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that there's no way it couldn't. Like, you're so deeply related, I mean, um, connected, connected to your mind and the state of your mind. I, would, I do want to say big thanks to uh, Dash and the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to bring back Dash on the air here on Free Talk Live as uh, essentially one of our major sponsors. So welcome back, Dash. Uh, you can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Ooh. Uh, assuming everything goes well tomorrow, I may be able to use cryptocurrency In- more, including Dash, which was always... One of my favorites. Everyone else who's gone through the sentencing so far has not had a restriction on using crypto after they were sentenced. So I would also hope the same for you uh, as well. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Dash is short for digital cash. And in addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, I was looking at the list the other night and because I knew it came out like way back and I was like, well, how 
how soon, like, you know, how close to Bitcoin was Dash? Like, it was within probably the first 20. It might have even been within the really? first 11. I couldn't find a list that showed the exact dates that they all came out, but it did show the year, and then they were alphabetized by year after that point, so it wasn't, okay. like, exactly right. right. But uh, it was it's somewhere between 10 and 20. So it's it's one of the, one of the originals. Yeah, and it's still around. Uh, some of those other ones, not so much. Dash, one of the reasons why it was so successful is they have a decentralized autonomous organization that they were the first to pave the way. Now, if you're in the crypto scene, you know what a decentralized autonomous organization is. If you're not, then you probably have no idea what we're talking about. It's a way uh, to organize. It's a way to have a... Uh, a thing happen without having like a board of directors. It's yeah. um, decentralized. Anyway, it's the- sort of like Forkfest in that regard, which is where like everyone who is there has some sort of stake in Forkfest and they're as in control as everyone else. Right. Now, in the case of decentralized autonomous organizations, you can get, you know, some tokens usually, or in the case of Dash, you can become a masternode, or you can even own a partial masternode. So there's different ways to get involved in the decision-making behind the decentralized autonomous organization. But basically, the way it works is 10% of the mining rewards every month go into a treasury. So whenever the mining, which is constantly going on, mining is happening, right. the extra 10% of that Dash goes into this treasury, and then the masternodes, these are the people that are really into Dash, uh, these are the ones that have you know a stake in the game, so to speak. Uh, they can vote on proposals that anyone can make. As long as you have one Dash, you can put forward a proposal to uh, the Dash masternodes. And if they like it, they're going to ask you questions. And some of the questions are going to be tough ones. So they're going to vet you. But if they like the, uh, the proposal, then it'll get approved and it'll get funded by the Dash treasury. And this has been going on now for almost a decade uh, that Dash has been around. So they paved the way. They did the first decentralized autonomous organization, and it's still there, and it's still helping promote and improve Dash. And we're going to talk some uh, some more over the coming month here about some of the cool things that have been happening with Dash and probably some of the things that are on the horizon that uh, are very exciting that are coming up with Dash. This thing's still going. It's still going strong. So uh, you can learn more over at Dash.org. And again, a big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us that 32 Dash to promote Dash on the air. It's once again Dash.org. You can learn more about Dash, digital cash at Dash.org. We continue here with uh, your calls and thoughts. We have Alu on the line with us in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Alu. Hi, guys. I'm a few days behind on the podcasts, thanks to Abel the Insurrectionist. But I heard you guys speaking a few days ago about nickels and copper. And did you say that the government was going to stop minting nickels, too? No, no. The story, which we it was like right at the end of the show. So we got maybe two sentences out about it. But the most important detail was it's now costing the federal treasury or the mint. It's costing them 10 cents to mint one nickel. <laughs> this okay, is, right. That but, is yeah, so fundamentally sense. broken. So there, right. there's a bill, that uh, a bipartisan bill in Congress right now that would authorize the mint to debase the quality of the nickels or other coinage even further. I mean, they've already gotten rid of the nickel. Like, I don't remember what year it was, but it was a long time ago, I think, when nickel was removed from nickels. Uh, well, they be- can't even afford the copper and pennies anymore. I don't even know if there's yeah, copper and pennies. No, it's zinc. Yeah. About copper and nickel, someone on the show said that the nickel is mostly nicker, nickel and zinc, I think. Um, the nickel right now is 75% copper and 25% nickel oh there is still nickel in there huh wow 
Yeah, it's, let me just double check that. Yeah, 25% nickel, 75% copper. And the copper obviously is being worth more and more. Um, it's still not a precious metal, but it's like semi-precious. It's like a few cents per ounce, but to get an actual ounce with the premiums, it's like two or $3 to get a one ounce round. Mm -hmm. So it's already a lot. Um, so copper is obviously more and more scarce and it's costing more. So I think it's the copper that's the issue. And, and they're going, obviously it costs 10 cents to make the five cent coin. So they're probably going to stop making it in the next year or two. The well, I don't know because three cents to make already the penny, that this year. the penny has costed more than a penny to make for, since I was in high school, I remember hearing about that and being like, so are they going to stop making the penny? Well, and, supposedly yeah, they, they are. never they did. Continuing it. Yeah. But I've heard that they were supposed to be discontinuing it for a long time, too. Well, supposed to be. Like, it was actually in the news last year that it was supposed to be stopped uh, being minted this year. Is That that was your understanding, right, Alu? Yes, I, I heard that. I haven't, Bonnie, I haven't double-checked it, but I could try to double-check it now. But I heard in 2023 they were going to stop the penny. I suspect well, there'll be, cool. be like daylight savings time, you know, where they, where they know, hey, it's a good idea to stop this. And, oh, we're, we're, we're about to stop it. We're about, oh, and then it doesn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It says here by the end of 2022, they're going to stop, and the last batch will be April 2023. Mm -hmm. um, that's what it says here on MarketRealist.com. But yeah, um, I just want to boast. Guess who's been collecting every nickel he finds for the last like year? Because I, I knew that that there's a more nickel, there's more copper content in the nickel than there is in the penny, um, even though mm -hmm. there was because it's way bigger. So there's a fair amount of copper, and it's going to be worth something. Um, and the nickel also is worth at least a little bit more than like the super duper cheap metals. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I want to say about nickels. So I would say to everyone, hold on to your nickels as well as pre-82 pennies and as well as pre-65 quarters and dimes. Yeah, I used to hold on to my wheat pennies. I just don't know what you actually do with them eventually. Hold on to them like with other stuff. I just give like, them to like, my dad. He likes them. Well, I mean, the yeah, so, stuff takes up room, and so there's only so much room that I would be willing to to uh, dedicate to this garbage. Yeah, I don't uh, want a desk drawer full of pennies. Wheat pennies. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, what, one thing that I think would be so fun would be to get a um, metal detector, but it would just be, a, oh you know... Oh, God, what a boring hobby. I don't think so. <laughs> Ian knows how I feel about surprises. If I... Got that little beep, and then I dug, and I found some new thing I wasn't expecting. It would just be so fun. You should talk to somebody yeah, who actually... things Go ahead, Ollie. wouldn't be detected, most of these metals, right? Which metals are detected by metal detectors? I don't know. I, I don't know. We saw this brief clip on Beavis and Butthead the other day <laughs> where this guy had one... Oh, wait, no, this isn't where I heard about it. There, There's a guy... Um, During the debate, the... Sorry, the debate that was at the warehouse between uh, what's better, crypto or... Uh, you know, metals. Silver Dave said that they actually have a metal detector where you can detect if it's gold or or was it Joa that told us that? I'm mixing yeah, three no, separate right. metal detector stories. Has it. It's a, called a Sigma device, I believe, and, and the big um, bullion dealers like Dave has it. It costs a few thousand bucks, but he explained it to me the other day in a shop. It's not that simple, by the way, the way it hmm. works. Um, so it's not 100% reliable depending on the exact thing you're looking at. Well, none um, of us have one anyway, so. I thought it was yeah, like that you could get it out of, like, I I really think that it was Joe now that told us this, that a regular, it wasn't Joe, it was somebody else in real life told us that a, he went to a place where you can buy metal detectors mm -hmm. and he had one that he could just hold over something and it would tell him if it was real gold. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah there is a device, but you have to know how to use it and it's very expensive and it's pretty complicated actually. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's people out there that have some real big scores when they've been using metal detectors, and, and maybe I'm completely wrong about this. I don't want to go and speculate too hard. I think it hard. would be all bottle caps and old keys. Yeah, well, yeah, that, you'd have to go through a lot of those, but that's, that's what, what would make it to. more fun. That's what I want uh, to talk to somebody who's actually done this, right, as a hobby. What percentage of the stuff you find is actually worth anything it might be just as fun for me to just go watch those youtube channels because when they show only the highlights of them getting cool stuff it'll be like wow what is that's so crazy you found that and then i won't have to go buy one or spend the time Yeah, but it's only like it'll only even look cool once you've actually taken the time to clean it up right because you you've got like a dirty thing that makes it cooler because it's old (laughs) and it's like archaeology and you have to clean it and then you're like wow look how cool it is now that i've cleaned it it's it's crap Finding huh? old coins or prospecting for pure metal, for pure gold. I'm just curious how long it would take someone metal detecting to find enough worthwhile stuff that they broke even on, on a metal the metal detector. detector. I was uh-huh. shocked that... Around 31 trillion hours. I was <laughs> shocked that it actually is uh, worth the time to go panhandling. Like, I, I hadn't heard of people doing that till last year, but people told me, like, yeah, like, it ends up being, like... Worth the I think time. you have to know where to go, right? Like, there's certain places where there's gold deposits are known to be around. Well, you only those... have to find gold once, right? To be set for, you know, two or three months, if right? If you find enough. Yeah. Uh, hey, Alu, anything else you want to share tonight? Yeah, thanks for reminding me about the lightning links and, and the Hoover guy. Um, mm-hmm. That story pissed me off. And, and This is the guy for listeners mentioned... just tuning in. Uh, this was, again, a couple nights back. The two guys have been found guilty by a jury in federal case against them for creating and marketing a piece of metal with drawings on it they were uh the jury agreed with the government that the piece of metal which is about the size of a credit card and maybe about the thickness of a credit card i'm not sure on the thickness but uh this is a machine gun because if you cut along the drawing on the metal and then you put that piece of metal that you've cut out into a ar-15 it could make that ar-15 fire fully automatic and it's called a lightning link and these guys drew the picture drew a picture of lightning links on you know like a line drawing on a piece of metal and sold that piece of metal and so it's basically they've been convicted for freedom of speech freedom of expression for having artwork they've been convicted and they're now going to be facing prison time over it that's that story yes so so uh, a few months ago, I realized, obviously, after my book, Presumed Guilty, that explains that the Fourth and Fifth Amendment protections of due process and other elements of criminal justice mm-hmm. are really systemically violated. I wanted to do the same with the First Amendment, so that's what I'm working on now. My next book is going to be all about how all of the parts of the First Amendment, including free speech, are violated systemically. Um, and I already have like 25 chapters outlined, and I've written a few chapters, but, but one of them will touch upon this. And it really is a spectrum of free speech from you know Second Amendment all the way to the First Amendment. At a point, it's speech. I used to laugh about it, but it really is. It's, it's speech and expression, and the courts have ruled that expression is, is essentially covered by the First Amendment, which makes sense. So if you're doing something that's art or speech or putting out something, anything, um, like like I'm looking at this lightning link now, it's, it's a metal card, and it's either um, painted in, in or maybe scored a little bit so it's easy to cut out, but that is speech, and someone yes. can use anything for any purpose. Um, but what and then, like Ian, you mentioned this, you explained it really well the other day, the issue with this, with criminalizing free speech. What if someone just makes a drawing or talks about it or explains it or has the code? We all know about Defcat and Cody Wilson and, and the code for this stuff. That was all speech. And I think it was criminalized and they went after him in other ways, too. But, but they're criminalizing speech. Eventually, it really is an issue of 
you're criminalizing speech. And if I even explain to someone the shape of what I'm looking at right now with this little mm-hmm. drawing, then will I be convicted of free speech? Um, will I be yep. convicted of a crime? Of, I think that was of, actually Captain uh, Kickass who pointed that out. But yes, uh, that yeah, like could Free cool. Talk Live get a letter in the mail one day saying that we explained this whole case on national radio and therefore we, you know, gave people the blueprint, basically? Yeah, or tell, yeah, tell somebody I, what I to search know. for on the internet. <laughs> you know? So he was convicted in, in what kind of court? Uh, federal. Jury. Okay. Jury, and, and yeah. Hopefully there will be there will be an appeal. They are saying they're planning on appealing, but they're in prison awaiting that appeal. Wow. Uh, you know, I, Fortunately, I'm able to be out so far. Uh, per, presumably, I will continue to be out on the appeal in the Crypto 6 case, but these guys were selling machine guns. It's a transfer of a machine gun to sell a credit card-sized piece of metal with a drawing on it, according to the federal government, according to the ATF, according to the so-called Justice Department. You know what so, needs to be yeah, made illegal is, yeah. is just the fact that the court gets to instruct the jury on things like mm-hmm. that they don't have to prove like they didn't have to prove that the lightning link was lightning link was a machine gun because that's not something you can prove that's not fact that is divorced from reality but the court instructed the jury that a lightning lightning link is a machine gun they so were asked continue to, on from there and well, they were asked to instruct the jury about that but there was some pushback in it and according to the story it didn't sound like that made it into the jury instructions in this oh then i guess i case. just misheard you but that happens uh, but it every didn't day matter. the jury People found him guilty anyway never been through this this happens every day the jury get the government gets to tell the court oh you should instruct the jury x and mm-hmm. the court can just be like okay and do it and it doesn't yeah, make any the, sense what kills me is the fact that the atf can can re uh identify just reinterpret something as a machine gun with the bump stock and with other things and with a metal card literally for those listening the atf considers certain things machine guns m16s and the gatling guns and this metal card that has an etching of like a little shape that of something that could be an auto seer although it doesn't even seem to work very well and again, automatic is just this crazy thing with a stigma. It doesn't matter. Automatic fire is like the least efficient thing. Even the military doesn't use it because it's, it's automatic fire is very stupid. It wastes ammo and it's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like they can reinterpret anything, and I've written articles about this. They, they've said that the, the AA-12 shotgun and even the semi-auto version is a machine gun because it shares some parts in common with the the fully automatic version of it. So, well, look what so, they've attempted to do block. to defense distributed, right? I mean, the, the ATF, the federal government, they have a long history of going after people for you know 3D printed guns or something like this. This, this is mm-hmm. not new. It's tragic, no. but it's not new. And the worst part, of course, is that a jury found these guys guilty. There was one of them that got convicted on every count, something like, a, a, I think, 10 counts of Yikes. transfer of a machine gun without a license and then... You know, conspiracy and I'd not heard about this a few case. other things. And then the other guy got convicted of the majority of the counts, so they did find him not guilty on a few, but otherwise they're going, you know, they've been being sent up the river here for selling drawings. And that's where we're at here in this country. And of course, I think you would agree, Alu, the only way to combat this effectively is to peacefully secede from the United States. There's no chance that the uh, Republicans are going to abolish the ATF. There's no uh, chance that the government is going to correct itself on yeah, this. Let me, let's just show the government that they're wrong about this piece of uh, metal being a, a machine gun, and maybe they'll just change their mind. Nope. Change their ways. Yeah, it's never going to change. And, and again, like you mentioned, this is all federal. All these things are federal. It's ATF. It's not state laws. So you're right. Secession absolutely is the answer here. Um, yeah, I'm going to find a way to incorporate this into the free speech book that I'm working on. Um, and obviously, the answer at the end of the book will probably just be secession for everything. 
Very good, Alu. You Sounds are, like by the way, the, read. the president of the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence. Uh, people can go to learn more about that at nhindependence.org. Uh, anything else you want to share tonight? No, that's all. Thank you so much, guys. Keep up the good work. And please right. check out libertybox.com and the books. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We continue here. Ricky's in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Sister Bonnie, Sister Aria. Good evening. What's on your mind, Ricky? Well, I'll get into my topic in a second, but I really want to make a comment on the last caller. You know, I myself spoke at length with you the one night about how I uh, how I had the serial number of my Colt 45 removed and it reblued. And then my answer was I was just doing what Section 8 of uh, Article 1 of our Constitution said I should do. You know, so let him come get me as far as I'm concerned. The whole thing that you were talking about with him is ridiculous, you know? Indeed. With that being said, on to tonight's topic, if I may. Please. Okay. Uh, Sister Aria, quick question before we do that. Do you listen to the program? Is it, I, I don't. Huh? Yes. Do you listen to the program? Like on nights she's not on? Yeah. Not every night. Okay, well, that may explain a lot, actually. Uh, Well, you know, I've listened to your topic tonight, and I'm making an exception because, see, what I'm looking at here, it's not an issue of forgiveness. That's not even coming into play. It's about understanding. And here's how I kind of look at it. You know, and this may make a lot of sense concerning the comment this past Wednesday, you know, because every— I don't know what you're referring to. Well, the listeners definitely that. don't. I'm wondering why why he asked if I listen to the show, what what he's getting at. I'm, get, I'm getting to that. Well, we'll get to it. See, this is what I'm talking about. You do beat See, around the bush a lot, Ricky. It takes a long time to pull something out of you. I, I mean, asked we're trying you about, to do a radio show. I asked you about what it was on Wednesday, and this is the other thing with I'm your trying, calls recently, I'm Ricky. Trying. One of the problems with your calls recently and the reason why people are getting short with you, I think, is because you just keep talking about something that happened on your last call. I wasn't even on last Wednesday. This is what I'm getting at. See, that's where understanding comes in. You see, looking at the way from the very first call onward, you see, I see that there's definitely a problem here. For whatever reason, from the very first call onward, uh, Aria doesn't seem to get along with me. And that's fine. You know, and that's where understanding comes in. Now, there was only one other time uh, where I had an issue with a co-host, and you may remember this, Ian. Oh, I guarantee you I don't. Well, you may. This was back in 17, and that was the, I can't remember his name, but that was the guy from uh, Tennessee that was the Muslim. Do you remember him? Will Coley. Will Coley, yeah, Mm -hmm. you kept that name. Will, that's right. And it got, it was much more severe than this. And it ultimately got to the point where I challenged him to a duel. And I gave up a lot. It should have been. Oh, now that you mentioned that, that does sound somewhat familiar, Ricky, because, I mean, that's a pretty rare thing for, for someone to do. Right. And, you know, I gave up a lot. And my, it should have been here in Pennsylvania. What did you it give up? It should have been a new answer. And the reason why I did that is because I knew that he was a coward and had no honor. And ultimately, that's what happened. Because somebody didn't want to travel to Pennsylvania to duel you, that makes him a coward? Uh, No, he didn't want to do it at all, and that's what made him a coward. Why why should someone put their life on the line to potentially lose it in whatever some petty disagreement that uh, you had with them? That makes absolutely no sense. I think that's the sensible thing to do is to completely ignore 
uh, some lunatic charge, you know, calling to potentially duel you. Well, ultimately, here's what it comes down to the understanding party. And you see, I see the situation for what it is. And understanding's on my part. And it's like, I see for what it is. I mean, forgiveness isn't even an issue. That doesn't even matter. So what is it? Well, it comes down to understanding. And I look at it. Okay, he's just... So what do you understand? I'm trying to tell you, Aria. Do you really want to find out? For the good of... (laughs) Not only for the good of the show, but the good in general. That's why I came to the decisions that I did. And hopefully that's... (laughs) More coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything you want. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live. We have time for you if you want to jump on the phone. You can do that now, the number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Uh, we continue here, Ian, Bonnie, and Aria in the studio tonight. Back to your phone calls and thoughts. We talked a lot about forgiveness here this evening. There are plenty of other things we can discuss. And the the story, by the way, about the penny uh, that Alu mentioned a moment ago, we did cover this last year. Uh, it was in the news toward the end of the year that the Mint is going to stop the circulation of the penny at some point. Now, are they, they're going to stop producing it. They're not going to like remove the existing ones from circulation. That is, that is right? what's not clear. Uh, okay. According to the Mint's annual report, they said they would stop penny production in 2023. Don't you remember us covering this like two years ago where I was like, well, how are people going to pay for something that's nine ninety eight? And you're like, they'll just have to price it at nine ninety. Or nine ninety five. Just to round up. I am just saying, we've talked about yeah. this before. They've proposed oh, yeah. the same thing a million times. I, I but definitely now they're remember, saying they're going to actually stop. I definitely remember like living in my parents' house, like pre graduating mm-hmm. high school, and my dad being like, "They're going to get rid of the penny," and they the penny costs more than a penny to make. And it has, as you pointed out, for a very long time. I just wanted to say here, I do have a story from the Washington Examiner from August of last year where they cite. The Mint claiming they will stop production in 2023. When that's going to happen, what it will look like, will they actually remove the pennies from circulation? Because, you know, when uh, when they when they introduce a new $100 bill or $5 bill or whatever, it takes some time, right? Like, yeah. they, they do remove the old ones from circulation. When they come back into banks, the banks are told to set them aside. They get sent back to the Federal Reserve. They get replaced uh, with new ones. So whether the same thing's going to happen with the pennies where they'll just set them aside and get rid of them. Well, the government does nothing quickly. That much is true. So, yeah, it may be another decade before you stop seeing pennies. But at the very least, there are not going to be any new ones made unless that changes. <sighs> Look, we cannot, as a society, we as a people cannot get rid of pennies fast enough. I, I agree. There is I agree. nothing on this earth that I hate more than pennies. They, yeah. they are exactly the wrong size. You cannot just sweep them up to get rid of them yeah, yeah. because they're too big. They're too bulky. They're not shaped right. Whatever. You have to bend down and pick it up and throw it away. Every single penny. <laughs> Which is and a federal crime. Thing. Oh, really? When I say throw it away, I obviously mean throw it into a jug or I didn't something. even realize that it's illegal to throw it away, but... 
the other well, day. It, I don't know if it's illegal to throw it away, but it's illegal to like destroy. Destroy, money. yeah. Well, that's not I mean, destroying. It. If it's sending it into a landfill, you are effectively removing it from circulation. So yeah, I, mean, I never really thought could, of it like they that. They could probably argue that that is destroying it. Like just the other well, day, I don't want to argue with them about it. So I'm yeah. saying put it in a jug, but it, it requires you to individually pick up every single yeah. stupid penny. I was Sorry. just going to say, the other day, I bought something for forty nine ninety nine mm-hmm. and paid with a $50 bill. And, like, multiple times, like, the rest of the night, I was like, why didn't I just tell her to keep the penny? Like, it's just so <laughs> stupid. Like, I just didn't need the yep, penny. You held your hand out and then and she, she dropped was, the I, penny I said, oh, okay, I'll give you a 50. And yep. she said, I'll give you a penny. And I was like, oh, well, that was funny. And then I was like, why did I take the penny? <laughs> uh, I don't need this stupid penny. Let's go back to the phones here. I got Neil on the line in Arizona. Neil, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Neil, oh, sorry about that, Neil. I muted you. You're back now. We got you. Start, start over. What was that, Neil? I said when I think about all the pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters I destroyed on railroad tracks when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk. I want to talk about Tucker Carlson. Yeah, big news today. Got fired from Fox News, or I guess I guess we can't say for sure it was a firing. It may have been a contract renegotiation that didn't uh, pan out. It's not clear. I don't think. Uh, what happened? Or at least, if it is, I haven't been following I got, it. I got word of them being fired three hours before it actually hit the news or the internet. Um, Ooh, okay, you're on the inside track, so huh? He he was he was, well. I kind of I know a few people. Anyhow, it um, does say that he was fired, uh, according to the Mediaite story about this. Is this a re, um, a consequence of the Dominion lawsuit? I don't it's, know. It's basically over the footage that he aired last Friday of the of January sixth from the cameras at the Capitol building. I heard it was that. I heard it was that he interviewed Joe Biden's son, and they didn't like that or whatever. I don't really know if anyone really knows. Some yet. people think it's because he's been critical of the war in Ukraine. So who knows? I, I, I don't know. Tried- I actually tried to get through to you at uh, uh, like six minutes to six my time because I got a call that uh, that Trump was going to be on Newsmax at six o'clock tonight to discuss this. And uh, Trump and Tucker are very tight. But uh, who cares what Trump thinks about this? I mean, that's kind of weird. But uh, a lot of people are very upset about it. My my sister, for one, she'll never watch the Fox News Network again. <laughs> I, I, um, I, you know, I don't know your sister or you know her sincerity in that statement. But I suspect most, again, not including your sister, most of the people upset about this will be over it by the end of the week. Well, he was back watching Fox. Yeah. I don't know because he was like the highest rated on television. He was, he was. if I mean, not just the highest rated on Fox. You're right, Bonnie. And that is the big takeaway here is that Fox had the number one show the golden goose of television of news television which is a dying industry by the way that the literally the viewers of news television like this the, the 24-hour news channels are literally dying off they're getting old and they're passing away and that is why their numbers are going down 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 and so fox just basically got rid of the golden goose by firing the number one guy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy from from a ratings perspective, from a revenue perspective. It's a it's a crazy move to make. I was just saying, there are some I, people I, that probably only watch his show and don't watch anything else because yeah, of that. That's that's true. If you're a number well, one host, I, that I means you don't guy. watch the other stuff. Go ahead. I am a diehard Newsmax watcher, and the only time I ever have watched the Fox News Network 
is to watch Tucker when he was on for an hour. Go. Once oh. Tucker was done, I'm going back to Newsmax. That's crazy. But I haven't watched Fox News since I was like in middle school and it would be on at my parents' house. So I used to know, like, at least know who most of the hosts were. Not even most of them because there's so many, but a lot of them. But right now, I could not tell you who is on Fox News right now uh, at all, except I knew Tucker Carlson. But Are your I, parents still big Fox fans? No, because they don't have a tele- uh, like cable anymore. And also, they're like slightly getting into the, wow, you know, I think that these people might be lying to us. Mm. Nice. Character growth. Neil, well, anything else? Have Sean Hannity, but- but I think I think they still have Sean Hannity, and I think they uh, I think they got rid of Judge Janine too, and she I don't was even quite popular as well. I mean, I know who Sean, who Sean Hannity is. I mean, he's just another state tool. Hey, thanks for the call, Neil. I appreciate hearing from you. Thanks for bringing that up. It, it's like definitely Janine, a big story today. I think she's like Janine Pierro, Pierro, something like that with a P. Some judge. I don't, don't know anything about her. Yeah, I don't even. Uh, she's probably an awful person. You know, if I had to guess. If you're hosting a Any cable judge. news show, yeah. If you're a judge, if you're hosting a cable news show. Uh, you probably believe in the government. Judge Unless Napolitano, Judge Napolitano was not too bad. Yeah, Judge Napolitano is the uh, the exclusive. The exclusive. I'm not. I'm not pulling the word that I'm looking for. The exception. Thank you to uh, to that rule. Let's continue. Don't thank here. me. I did not. You made good eye contact. <laughs> it came telepathically. Uh, anyway, Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey guys. Yeah, I want to touch on this uh, Fox News debacle here, but first. I was talking to uh, the captain and Richie Rich on Sunday mm-hmm. about the lightning card thing, right? Yeah. And uh, somehow it come up, I think Richie Rich pulled it up out of his rectangle, that about 15 years before this, the feds had declared a shoelace a fully automatic weapon. Whoa. Wow. Why? Yeah, dude, because you could just... out a way to take, I don't know, like a 12, 14-inch shoelace or something and put a hoop in each end, right? Mm-hmm. Put one end on the bolt. And the other end, put it around the trigger, and then put it on his finger, and put just the right pressure on it, pressure on it where it played rock and roll. You mean it? Uh, it continued to fire Fully the automatic. gun. Yeah. Fully automatic. Yeah. Just a hillbilly bump stock. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Crazy. So if you can make a shoelace into a fully automatic weapon, just think of the headlines: man hung to death in jail cell with fully automatic weapon. <laughs> MacGyvering is now illegal. <laughs> mm. It just yep. shows that the so government anyway, is still adapting just, to the invention of the 3D printer and the the 3D mill. I don't know what the exact is some sort of milling technology that's very similar to 3D printing, except it mm-hmm. uses metal instead of plastic. Now these technologies exist; they're not going anywhere. Ghost guns are going to continue; they're going to become more and more prolific, and the government is going to have to adapt to them in a way that they that all they know to do is to ban stuff yep. and and to throw people in prison. But you can't do that when it comes to 3D guns and to milling they're technology. Keep trying. They're going to keep well, prosecuting. If you believe the foolhardy that they keep trying to sell us, now you understand why they take our shoelaces away when you throw us in jail. Mm-hmm. You can't have a jail full of fully automatic weapons <laughs> now, can you? There you go. Fair enough. Anything else, Major? So, uh, on this on this uh, Fox News thing, I always figured these Dominion voting machines were crooked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that Fox didn't have to admit it, but I think Tucker was collateral damage because of the lawsuit but the interesting thing about him is he had a very unique contract with fox he could interview anybody he wanted Mm -hmm. and that kind of spooked him because he took on uh kennedy jr here a little while back and he's a big anti-vax dude right right 
Well, all of these big media corps get 20, 30% of their revenue through these damn drug advertisers. Mm. Pfizer. Could have been lots yeah. of things like that that ended up with him getting fired then because but there's that. The th- that is a good point, though, Hunter. before you go on, Bonnie, about the Hunter Biden thing. The people that watch these channels are elderly, and what are the kind of advertisements that they're going to target elderly people with? Pills, right? Pills and diapers. My default assumption is that it's related to the Dominion lawsuit, which was like, what, several hundred millions dollars that Fox has it was, to pay? It and, was. And like, was that a settlement, uh, Major? Did you follow that? You did, okay. Yeah, it was a settlement. So they That's lost a lawsuit, I, and then wow. a week later, they're firing their top guy. To me, those th- two things are almost certainly related. Mm-hmm. It could be coincidences. Fox, Fox admitted little to no guilt. But on the other side of the coin... Yeah, but they paid, that, what, 700-something million dollars? The government does that all the time. They'll say we are not accepting guilt, but they what they were asking for. Okay. Oh, is that all? On on the other side of the coin, on the libtard news side, CNN dumped their what used to be their top jock. I can't even remember his name. Don Lemon. I've never heard that name. Yep, Don 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 Lemming. That's what I always like to call him because he likes. Just runs off a cliff. I don't even know who this person is. I've literally never heard of him till today. They're like, oh, uh, you know, it's Tucker Carlson he's and Don I thought CNN's top guy was uh, Coop, Anderson Cooper. I don't know if he still works well, there. Maybe he does. Quite a while back, he's been going downhill for a minute. Okay. Why do I keep hearing about it today? Then I keep Don Lemon about it as got if fired today. today. Oh, Tucker Carlson got fired today. It's kind of weird. Those two things may also be related. Who knows? Uh, thank you, Major, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. You were saying something about Hunter. All, all I was saying was there, there's multiple things that he seemed to do that could have been costing Fox News money mm-hmm. yep. or even not, if it's not money, like behind the scene things like political benefits. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I got I like uh, Major's theory that you piss off the pharmaceutical companies, you're pissing off the advertisers on cable news. I mean, these I forget who it was that was saying this the other day, this or previously on the show, is that the, when they tuned in to watch cable television for the first time in a long time, they were over at their mom's house or something, somebody who's in their demographic, and it was just like, oh, it was uh, Matt. It was Matt, our next-door neighbor. He he went to his mom's house. He's like, Mom, look, all of these advertisements are for diapers and, like, adult diapers and for pills. That's really? all. Of, yeah. And uh, she was like, oh, my gosh, am I getting old? The average age of these viewers is probably 60 or 65. So okay. literally in 20 years... If there's anyone watching these channels left, I'll be surprised. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of sad when phrased that way, but, you know, it, it things change, things move on. I don't know if it's sad. Good riddance. Maybe right? one thing, if they were, like, honest reporting, it yeah, was just like, they? oh, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't make it because of the internet. That That's kind of sad, like, when things like that well, happen to, like, the, the people malls. dying to not watch is the part that I thought was sad. Not the oh, dying okay. of Fox or I CNN thought, yeah, or whatever. Okay. I'm yeah, sorry, I, wasn't, I wasn't clear on that. No, the sixty-year-olds, uh, you know, getting old and dying and all that—that's that's sad. Just life. I, I mean, know, that, but it's still sad. It happens. Uh, we go on. He here. doesn't have feelings. <laughs> we talk to. Uh, that means he doesn't love you then. <laughs> Except for that one, David, okay. <laughs> in New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. Speaking of uh, machine guns, uh, Alo needs to open a snack bar. Alo's snack bar. He's got a lot uh, going on right now. I don't know if he's got time for that, but I think he's trying to make Alu's a joke about Alo Akbar. That's cute. Speaking, yeah, and speaking of that's machine cute. guns. Uh, Alu, uh, his, his uh, speech rate is like a machine gun. Yeah, he's from New York. I mean, that's Wait just Wait till he is. gets excited, man, because that was like, <laughs> that was Alu knowing he's that he's calling into yeah. the show, so he's slowing himself down. <laughs> wow. So, uh, forgiveness, 
Um, it occurs to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but why does it what uh, what you say there on the program about forgiveness seem inconsistent with uh, actions and behavior, Aria? What are you, what are you talking about? To? Well, you're talking about forgiveness, and you were saying all the things that you said about forgiveness, which I won't waste time repeating. Mm -hmm. But then um, you seem to, at some times, uh, uh, exhibit your humanness and not really behave in a ma in a manner consistent. Can I point one thing out before you, you answer? Sure. It's not like you didn't Pardon? say that. Oh, sorry. I was asking her if I can point one thing out before she answers your question. It's she did specifically say that if something, if an, a behavior is ongoing, you shouldn't forgive it. So if you're going to ask, why does she not answer your phone calls? Your behavior is ongoing. It's not like you, you did something once wrong and she's just like uh, taking it out on you for the rest of your life. You're, every time she answers what your behavior? phone call. What, what do you think? What are you referring to, David? Well, wait a minute. Let's one thing at a time. What behavior, Bonnie? Just whenever you call in, just to troll her, like you're a troll from the server, constantly okay, only so saying he I, things like I'm that. Trolling. What? What do I do? I, so you were talking while trolling. I just told you, like things like calling her a he, things like that. Um, I would disagree on that one. If you want to select a different example, please do. You can't disagree on the facts that can be proven from this archived radio show. That's, I'm not disagreeing on the facts. I'm disagreeing that is trolling. If I have integrity, you know what integrity is. Well, right? you asked for an example, and I gave you an example. So if you see, oh, okay. that's what I'm saying. The behavior is ongoing. He's not apologetic for it. So it's not some kind of, oh, gotcha, Arya. You're not uh, does, uh, doing does forgiveness. A does a person have to be apologetic for having integrity, doing what they believe? No, absolutely not. And uh, someone doesn't have to apologize in order to get forgiveness either. But I, I, you did jump to a conclusion here, Bonnie. Is that what you were referring to, David, when you were talking about Arya and what she was doing or not doing? I'm not sure that I understand your question. Could you please rephrase it? What, what were you trying to get to? You you were sort of getting at something, and Bonnie sort of... No, I absolutely did jump to a conclusion. I was, that that was I wanted to because I figured that's where he was going. If I, it's not, then let us know. And I just want to know where you were going with bringing up Arya and forgiving or not forgiving. Well, where I'm going is exactly what I stated, and let me try to be more clear. What I, I uh, observe... Uh, speech in your program tonight that I agree with mm -hmm. and that I believe with uh, uh, statements made about how someone might be beneficial in their life uh, if they deal with forgiveness in a manner as stated or uh, agreed upon by, uh, by Aria. But I noticed that in conflict with some actions by Aria. And That's what we're know. asking, though. That's what, what were those? We want to know the actions that you were referring to. Um, they're, they're, um, things that are, they're, that are less parts of speech toward people that are less tangible than saying A versus B. Let me, let, and let me cite, I noticed it a little bit in a conversation with Ricky. I mean, Ricky is himself. You're not going to change him from, from who he is. I don't think, um, and a, a lack of acceptance of people. Uh, the things about the, those people that they can't necessarily change very easily, if at all, um, uh, uh, getting 
uh, going negative about those traits on a person that they don't have that much or any control over uh, seems to be inconsistent with the acceptance expressed, various types of access, qualified acceptance expressed in talking about uh, forgiveness being a worthwhile pursuit. Okay. Do you that, want to address that? That was a lot of rambling to unpack. So let me make sure. Uh, I understand that, yeah, It was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're accusing me of unfairly doing what to Ricky now? Because I tried, it was a lot, David. Yeah. I, I really did. Criticizing, chastising, being snippy, be a tone of voice, being harsh, uh, con, con, uh, condemning for behavior. Well, his behavior uh, is ongoing too, isn't it? He continues to do a thing. You, you're just deciding calling. for him that Ricky can't change himself, but I don't accept that. Ricky I, I keeps don't accept calling that and keeps harping on something that happened in the last call or the call before that, and he's always got some sort of bone to pick. And rather than just calling about some topic or some issue or something he wants to discuss, it always has to be some perceived slight. It would be different and, if every time he called in, he had you know, you know, I'm, he, he didn't bring up Wednesday at all. He just had a different topic and right. I was like, yeah, well Wednesday, hmm, and was yeah. mean to him about what happened Wednesday. That would be the opposite of what is actually happening. Yeah, I'm confused, David, well, why we're having a conversation, but did you just call in to say, Aria's bad and this is why? <laughs> I mean... No, I, I called in to say exactly what I said. Okay, so uh, Aria is bad and I, this is why I got you. Aria, he's, he's no, accusing no, you of being no. a hypocrite? Is that what you're trying to say, David? Uh, no, no, a hypocrite would probably need to be aware of of the hypocrisy. I I pointed out an inconsistency. I didn't. Explain Are you suggesting that Arya should be forgiving Ricky, and she hasn't? I'm saying that the the behavior I see exhibited in talking about forgiveness, which I agree with for the most part, seems to be inconsistent with my observation of okay. the behavior. Right. Thank you for the Here's call. the thing about that. It's like so many people on like the internet specifically will like to say whenever you're doing anything that they don't think is the way that they want you to act, they always try to say like, aren't you supposed to be a libertarian when it has nothing to do with being a libertarian? They think being someone who forgives someone is someone who has no flaws. Being a libertarian is supposed to be someone who has no flaws. Like, oh, you chose this moral path. Therefore, you cannot do X and it has nothing to do with being a person who forgives to get snippy with Ricky when he's being annoying. I just don't understand. I don't even know that I've ever really been snippy with Ricky for being annoying. Certainly there are plenty of times where I should choose my words more carefully or I regret that I responded to this call or that call a certain way. I definitely didn't actually observe that tonight. I was just using David's example. I mean, but these things certainly happen. I'm, I'm as imperfect as everyone, but for David to say, well, he calls... For David to say that he calls me he out of some manner of integrity, okay, fine. Then that that's the reason I'm rude to Ricky is because of my integrity, right? That's useless as a response. If you're just going to use it up as, as a shield to protect you from criticism, then it's completely useless. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing of what he's trying to say, and again, trying to get a grasp on it was difficult, although I followed him a little better than I was following Ricky earlier on, on his call. So a little yeah. credit to David there. At least he... You know, I didn't want to just turn him completely off. Well, you see, it's about understanding. Uh, whatever it was about. But uh, if you get into a spat with Ricky, and you have, like yeah. you and him have, I mean, maybe snippy is not the right word, but you've been short with him for sure. Certainly. And uh, and he keeps a 
keeps bringing it up so it seems like he's holding a grudge or whatever he keeps calling back to keep complaining about you he'll call on- you have to like it you have to be just all jolly about hearing about it every yeah. single time you host the show or else you're not really a forgiver yeah, it doesn't I, make any sense that you're not really a libertarian yeah right, that seems to well without the libertarian comment but that seemed to be what he was saying i'm just saying about, people do the same thing like same as same though thing. you can't be irritated as though you can't have a disagreement with somebody or this ongoing disagreement. And again, Ricky calls on nights you're not here and complains about his interactions with you. And I'm like, well, you don't have to call on nights that she's on. But what did he do tonight? He called on a night where you were I, on. I thought that he had already sworn up. off doing that. I thought he wasn't yeah. going to call when you're on He says one thing anyway. and he does another. But I mean, that, that's the frustrating thing. It's like he, him, he and David both are holding grudges against me for like trivial things that I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, you know, I, I absolutely acknowledge that I, I'm not the best person in the world. I've certainly been short with people who didn't deserve it. I've said things to people who didn't deserve it. Right. But, David, uh, in, re- in regard to the taking your calls things, the reason that I don't take your calls is because you are literally trying to get Free Talk Live kicked off of radio stations. Oh, yeah, that's and true. That crosses a line. It's not because you're mean to me. You used to call in and call me a, a Nazi tranny all the time, and I always took your calls. There's nothing you can say about me. That will make me stop taking your calls mm-hmm. because I do forgive you. I don't even hold it. I don't have to forgive you for these things because I don't even hold it against you long enough to have to forgive it. Right. That's the thing. And like, the same I, with Ricky. Ricky's choosing not to call. I'm not not taking his calls. Right. Yeah, I don't believe that Arya's walking around thinking about David from New Mexico or Ricky from the Commonwealth. Me neither. I don't no. think about them until they, they're on the phones the next time. Yeah. You know? Uh, out of time for tonight. Hopefully, we will be back tomorrow night, Arya, you and I, for the, uh, the Tuesday episode as uh, our sentencing happens tomorrow morning. If you can be there, once again, it's 55 Pleasant Street in Concord, 10 a.m. Uh, at the federal court. And maybe we will see you there. Bonnie and I will definitely be there in the morning. We'll see you tomorrow. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.